Hey boomers, welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your guide, asterisk, to the world of Sonic the Comic, brackets STC, and Sega. Presented by the humans who think they're in charge, I am Dave Bulmer. And I am Chris McVeely. Uh, what was that asterisk about? That really? asterisk was, okay, so for a while we've been saying your online guide to the da-da-da. I'm going to keep saying it. Yeah. Because oh, we are. Yeah, I like it, and I'm going to keep saying it as well. But we got it from the inside of the comic itself. That's right, it did say It that. said that in the control zone, your online guide, and we mused over why it said online. Well, I've just noticed it doesn't anymore. It just says your guide, and I guess that's because... I wonder when it stopped doing that. Well, I guess... Probably with the redesign, right? With the redesign, and probably with the emergence of the phrase online to mean... Yeah, no, that it actually means something. Now, yeah, like, they've got email now. They are online. Yeah. Well... We have we have taken that mantle from yeah. them, and we should have done because we, we are, are your online guys. Exactly. <laughs> yes, this is issue number sixty-nine. What do you think about that, Dave? Triple Tremor, smashing new stories. Knuckles, Sonic's World, and Decap Attack. And uh, Knuckles has the cover. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, it's a lovely Nigel Dobbin knuckles and he is coming at us with a little grin on his face so not too not too violent but it looks as if he's punching the ground and he's punching it so hard that his little feet are going up and he's wearing a green cape that's fluttering about I don't know what it is about this cover right mm. in my mind this is the iconic Nigel oh. Dobbin knuckles sure I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be I mean it's a it's just kind of like a random knuckles image he drew one time it is but it sums knuckles up nicely you know he's doing a violence because he's punching the ground with his knuckles mm -hmm. and big cracks are coming out and it's not it actually it's not the ground it's a kind of an abstract blue scape yeah so it's almost the, like the blue void of the cover yeah it looks like a cross between rock and glass and it's like he's punching a hole in the comic as it were yeah but despite that violence He's got quite a benign expression on his face. He's giving us a little smile, and he's got that cape that makes him look more thoughtful. I think people remember this little cape that he wears. He wears mm. this little cape in the story, this issue. And I, I sometimes get the impression people have a strong memory of this little cape. Ah, now, the way you've said that implies to me that it's... Because uh, I do have a memory of that there cape. There you go, then. And I think of it as what Nigel Dobbins' knuckles wears. Is it actually quite rare? Is it just this strip? Or I Well, I can't say with absolute certainty. Right. Uh, I will find out as we go, I guess. Yeah, we all but will. But in my memory, I really only associate it with this story because specifically, you know, the environment he visits in this story that demands it. Yeah. But, um... But yeah, well, there you go. You see, I, I just and maybe that's then why I think of this cover as being yes. such an iconic Nigel Dobbin Knuckles image because is it the only question mark cover that uh, yeah. that he has wearing the 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 cape? I don't know. Who knows? Could be. Um, we'll see. I say I I often say that. I often say who knows. Yeah. And there are many many people, people better yeah. suited to doing a podcast about this yeah. comic than us who do know yeah, but the difference is that those people are fuss asses aren't they <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to have a level of not really actually being bothered about nerdy things to do something like this that's very true we have to toe a line we have to be exactly nerdy enough to want to chronicle it all and get it all right but not nerdy enough that we already know everything and can go well actually as i think you'll find and alienating to the general audience yeah <laughs> we got some star bits at the bottom. I never know what to call these when it's a little... Well, I guess the idea is supposed to be that they're like curled up sonic spiky ball yeah, spinning suppose. type yes. things but starbursts is yeah starburst well i think of them as you know the starburst shaped bit of bright card that you put in the window of a small shop to say what prices things are yes but they're not that because, no you know, the, they've got the spikes a, do a slight buzzsaw yeah, angle yeah they're to like them, a buzzsaw they? yeah. yeah they're like a cyber razor if you will <laughs> I, I will uh so and anyway they say they're being used as bullet points here even though they're side mm. by side and have the writing on them instead of in front of them batman q zone 
Bat Hog artwork. Bad Nick pinup. That one's they haven't made that bat anyway. That, that yeah, I, bad Nick because they, I mean they probably I'll bat oh, at okay. some point in the process they wanted to say bat. Yes, pinup. Absolutely, but, but they already did the pinup of the bat. They've already done back the bat at Halloween. So yeah, yeah. Yes, don't get too excited, folks. Bad Nick pinup's still going on here. <laughs> like, you know, whenever you've, you've already listed off the thrilling new stories, Knuckles, Sonic's World, Decap Attack, don't mention the epoch-twisting events going on in the Sonic <laughs> strip itself. No, but for God's sake, remember to mention that Bad Nick pinup. Mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, this issue is cover dated the 19th of January, 1996, mm-hmm. but it came out on... January 6th, which, as we noted uh, last time, makes it our New Year's issue. Technology. Yes! So happy, happy New Year, Dave. Happy New Year, Chris. Hey, boomers, says Megadroid. My power cells are in desperate need of an energy burst after the party season. Hope you've been having a party season, boomers. Oh, what do, or do I? That's the question, isn't it? Do I hope you've been having a safe and responsible party season. Where better to find it than in this megatastic issue? Still say megatastic, happy about that. If Badnik pinups are threatening to take over your crowded bedroom... Sorry. Uh, there, There is... I kind of like that, to be honest, because it, it feels like a tacit admission that they're doing too many of these things. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I am having trouble seeing you, Chris, because my monitor is almost obscured at this point by all the Badnik pinups that are crowding my wall. Oh, yeah, because you're pulling them right out. And I'm ripping them, them straight out of the pages, you know? banging them up on the wall, yeah. Yes. And, uh, and I keep missing, so they're overlapping the monitor. <laughs> and it's not, it, you know, he frames it as a threat. If mm. Badnik pinups are threatening to take over your crowded bedroom walls, add the latest, he says. He says, yes. let them, he says. <laughs> yes. The latest being Neutron, which can be found in the centre pages this issue. Good, looking forward to that then. And if you didn't pick up from the cover, yes, the Batman Forever Q-Zone is being specifically tied into with the graphic zone showing. <laughs> I do like this line, actually. <laughs> to coincide with the first part of the Batman Forever Q-Zone, graphic zone shows off some of your battier drawings. And then he says in brackets, we don't just throw this comic together, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's so so satisfied with his little joke. <laughs> Wiggling his little visor. Now it's time for me to don my cape and wizard hat <laughs> and swing into the night. My cape and Batman hat. However, never fear, as this caped crusader will be returning too in just two weeks to bring you more of the Sonic Pact action you demand. Ah, Megadroid, I wish sometimes you had more to tell us, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know the purpose of this is to serve as a contents page to to get us hype for what's coming up, but I like when he's able to inject a bit more flavour into it. I remember a time when Megadroid felt more like a character and less like a contents page, you know? Uh, Yes, I agree, yes. I think Megadroid has lost something and is just something of a... A drawing plastered over the index now. It, it's a bit, it is a bit of a shame. I mean, he still gets his character moments over in the letters page, yeah. you know, when he's cheeky with the readers. But, uh, but yeah, I, it's it's probably just something to do with the changeover from Burton to Tate, really, I isn't it? I think so. I think I think basically that I think Megadroid was one of Burton's skills, and it, and it isn't one of Tate's, and she doesn't really do it to the same extent, or she's not as interested. One or the other. Well, mind you, that we don't just throw this comic together, like you know. Yeah, you see, get, I like see that's a good me, bit. So that's need more of that. <laughs> Well, uh, well. Anyway, we might be judging it overly harshly. Who knows? It might just be the new year. It, it, yes, indeed. Tired after Christmas. Well, that's but there thing. is uh, a little bit of news down hmm. below there. Snap up a camera. Yes. From issue number seventy. First, the sad news: those high grove humes have hit the last issue for supplying Sonic stationary sets as oh. speedlines prizes. That didn't feel like it lasted any length of time at didn't, all. Did it? They can't have made I mean, that, that many. That, of them. What? 
came in with the relaunch, did it? Somewhere around there. It was yeah. within 1995 anyway, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's within the last year that we, we lost that. From issue 70, STC and Sega will award a sensational Sonic and Knuckles Fuji disposable camera for everything printed in Speedlines. Um, this is the prize that they've been giving away for the Photo Zone. Yes. Which I presume just means that they have a large closet given full of cameras because of we cam- haven't had very many Photo Zones. Yeah, yeah. So now they got to get rid of those and we'll see how long because th- that says to me these probably won't last long. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like the closing line. Requests should be made for potential subjects to watch the hedgehog mm. and say STC. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll give him that. That works. Give him that one. That's good. Yeah. yeah. You're charitable today. You're going to give them yeah, that one. Yeah, I'm in a good mood today. I don't know what's up to <laughs> I'm feeling raring to go. I want to read some Sonic. I'm having a nice time. Well, let's get right into it then. Yes! Sonic! The Return of Chaotix Part 3 A title that becomes less and less relevant to this strip as it goes on, I think. <laughs> the Return of Chaotix. Written yeah. by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Ellie DeVille. Sonic and the Chaotix crew use the Omniviewer to escape the Brotherhood of Metallics and return to Mobius, only to find that the transformed planet is now swarming with Metal Sonics. On the run, they're found and led to the safety of the sewers by a mysterious hooded figure. And when this figure unmasks, it becomes clear how the Metallicses have changed history. For our hero's rescuer is Dr. Ovi Kintobor. What? The man who should have turned in to Dr. Robotnik. If there was a piece of media that I wish I could wipe my brain all knowledge of and go back and re-experience over again from the start... Well, there'd be quite a few, be loads, yeah. but SDC would definitely be in there. This, I remember being more bowled over by this cliffhanger than any in my life. Like, now, revisiting it, it's actually like, well, yeah. Like, it doesn't it. really yeah, surprise yeah. me now. I mean, especially because this image of Kintobor yeah. is probably the single most famous yeah. image of Kintobor on the internet. Yes, probably. Because, like, up to this point in the comic, at least, it's the most clear, full-bodied, yeah. Yeah. head-on shot of the dude. Yeah. Like, he's, we've never been under any illusions about what he looked like in, yeah, from yeah. his past appearances. But... We don't normally get such a nice big full body shot of him. So it's the image on the Kintobor wiki article and it's yeah. the image you'll see shared around on social media and everything. So it's impossible to forget about it, you know? Yeah. But this one, when I read it, I can remember what it was like going like, this cannot be. <laughs> I'm so excited. How can this be possible? What? Like, what? 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 I needed to know. I needed more. I couldn't wait. I mean, your brain instantly issue. starts... Putting the pieces together, you know, if the Metallicses have changed history so that they take over the planet, obviously that's what they've done somehow, but... Well, that's what I mean when I say that now I'm surprised I was ever surprised. Like, like, I I don't know how I was ever confused by how this could be, but at the time, I guess maybe my memory is formed before I started thinking about, oh, wait, yeah, time stones, we change history, blah, 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 blah. But, like... At the time, I was completely befuddled by this and flummoxed and bamboozled, and I was <laughs> amazed by this and just couldn't wait to find out more about what was going on. But that's the last panel. That's the final panel. I know, of the right? Whole it is the big talking point. It but... is. <laughs> so, what happens before that? They're really struggling to fully and properly illustrate the transformed Mobius, aren't they? Because remember last issue, how it was tucked away in a corner and the the, the shot just wasn't proper, mm. and then in this one. 
you know, our, the first panel of the first page is Sonic and Co. looking up. Yes. And then the second big panel is the Emperor Metallics gloating and then Mobius in the background. Except they've slapped the title box over the top of Mobius. <laughs> they do have to put the title box on. It's got to go somewhere, yeah. And they do have to put Mobius, like, up. But... I get. I'm. I'm thinking that maybe when Rich drew it, he imagined the box would go down in that space next to the Metallic Emperor, but it's not quite. My guess would be enough. title box up in the top left where the speech bubble is. Move the speech bubble down to over the chain. Beside There's the your answer. Temple. That's yeah. what to do. I wonder why they didn't do that. Oh well. I'll say this: the box looks the best it can look. There. That's the box. Yes, for the, for that the, is from true. the box's POV, they've chosen the right place. It's just that yeah. from looking at the planet, it kind of it. It's not that it. It's not that it prevents us from seeing what it is. It's that it makes it feel less important somehow. It yes, takes exactly. The focus you just off. don't get the big. In the same problem as at the end of the previous issue, you don't get the big jaw drop moment mm. because it doesn't go ba bam mm. and dedicate over a huge a huge amount of space to it. As compared to what happens in a page or two. I mean, yes. So we get Vector popping Omni out of his Walkman. Yes. We talked about that last issue. Like that, you know. Yes. Sonic wants a fight, though. He's not running. Sonic doesn't want to run. They want to fight. They've got one. That's our Sonic. Mm -hmm. But Vector... I was going to say Vector drags him into the Omni Viewer, but he doesn't. Sonic Sonic relents. Is like, we need to fight them on our own terms. And he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, well, I suppose he does, yeah. Although he's saying that as it looks like he's being dragged. He does say it as he grabs his yeah. arm, yeah. And uh, is there a more redundant statement on this podcast than I love the Metallicists? <laughs> but, but, you know, we get one of them. One of the Metallicists says, Shall I pursue targets? And the Emperor says, Negative, brother. That will not be necessary. The flesh creatures have nowhere left to run. Yeah. <laughs> Badass. Because really then they materialize down on the surface of Mobius, and Sonic talks about finding any survivors of this disaster. But Mighty reckons there might not be any because we get this beautiful we go. full page splash of the. Yeah. It's like we were talking about last issue the grimy mechanized hellscape of yeah. the planet no cold elegant machine this yeah 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 it's it is every kind of pipe spike grill lump tube um and some grimer's hair looking spider legs of metal just randomly coming out of something <laughs> yeah just sticking out there fire pits of course as yeah, well course, we knew yes. about those it's pure jack kirby's apocalypse you know all these big ah. whirling tendrils and pylons of metal with meaningless detail well we already know that that is how nigel and richard were explicitly mm. attempting to draw the miracle planet in its robot-y state yes jack kirby tech filtered through the richard elson yeah. filter i need to know more about jack kirby tech because it's coming up yeah, at least in this. Jack kirby. yeah i'd like to instead i'm looking at this and i'm going okay what things on his desk did he look at to make these shapes because when you <laughs> when you're making a, a page full of just shapes you imagine that surely everyone just looks around and goes there's one there's one i know when i've arrived on it i've drawn the top of my pen or pencil and i think i can see the top of a mechanical pencil just here on the page i won't swear to it look at that one in the top center that just a grenade yeah a grenade exactly the, that's a grenade. knob on the end of a pipe somewhere that's what made me think yeah. about it as i was looking around i'm like whoa did he have a grenade on his desk <laughs> probably not right probably not <laughs> do you know what's a fantastic beautiful little touch that oh. i didn't notice right away because it doesn't normally happen Impress me look at charmy yeah look at the way his wings, his wings are, are see-through yeah i only noticed this yeah. now as we like i didn't see it when i was reading it myself a minute ago but when I, we opened it for this there they are translucent yeah and you can and he's really put some effort into like just 
just drawing bits of what's behind it, but then maybe putting some sort of spray can effect over the top to give it... Yeah, it's mm. a lovely effect, that. I don't believe they've ever done that with Charmy's wings before, and I'm not going to sit here and say they'll never do it again, but it does seem like an artistic effect that requires a dedicated amount of time that you wouldn't... Unless you were really trying to create an impressive image like this piece. Exactly. It's something you don't need to do unless you're, unless you're drawing him this big and you're drawing something this mm. special. Yeah, it's a really... I'd forgotten this for some reason, like, unfortunately. Like, all of the effort that uh, has been put into it, it didn't really stick in my memory. So now, turning the page and seeing it, it was a lovely surprise. Well, it's that's the simple problem, is that it's just slightly overwhelmed by the other bigger thing that yeah. happens in the comic, you know? Yeah. You know, you put all this effort into creating a beautiful... It's amazing. A beautiful, hideous image. Yeah. And then something cooler and more exciting and more memorable happens three pages later but it really gives you the sense that here we are on mobius not only is there no chance of saving anyone from this because it's such a crush of completely metalized stuff Mm. but there's not even like any ground there isn't any floor to walk on there's no this is not a place that people can be physically as well like it's not just surviving the traps it's like there's nowhere for you here to to stand mm. you just start sliding into a pit or a spike or something it's i think we talked about it a bit last issue but it's like you have the image of like when the machines take over of the like a gray goo scenario yeah where it all becomes one or whatever or or some kind of you know shining cold metallic yeah. utopia dystopia pick your word depending on how aligned you are to our silicon overlords <laughs> but yeah you, you get that image of a smooth world where function over mm. form is all and that's maybe what you would imagine such cold, emotionless creatures like the Metallicses would create. Yeah. But they are children of Robotnik, and they have created this grimy, industrial hellscape that has this brutally beaten all organic life out of this planet and left it nowhere to be. Mm. And it, it's... I don't know how thought through it was. Like, if that's what I see in it. Yeah. I don't know if that was the mentality that went into the design of it, but it bloody well succeeds whatever they're shooting for. Yeah. And then, on the next page, we get to see some different metallices. I love this. This is Look like when, when Elson would always draw troopers differently. Yeah. But for some reason, we never really noticed. <laughs> because I'm sitting there thinking now, when did Elson even last draw a trooper okay mm. that's a dumb question it was three issues ago he drew them all over the brutus storyline oh yeah <laughs> and i can't sit here now and tell you if those no. troopers were all the same or if they were all subtly different no. because before that we've noticed yeah. several times elson always draws the troopers a little different whereas oh, it's the other dear, artists we should have been paying more who draw attention. them as being identical we should have but uh hmm. well we already established that <laughs> that's not the kind of detail we keep track of but whenever he last did it anyway he's gone and done it with a metallicsis i'm surprised i don't remember that more clearly because i remember every hmm. other instance of a different metallics you know well that's this isn't the same as that, you know? No. what was the other different metallics is there's the one from Sonic and Knuckles. But I know me at this age, and I would have looked at these and gone, aha, so this one's got this, and this one's got... And I would have gone away and started drawing those as, like, here are the uh, different metallics. And I don't remember doing that. Maybe because I just didn't think I could draw anything Richard Elson could draw, so I didn't bother trying. I mean, there... Are there more than the two, really? Okay, one's, so what we've Because got... basically, the differences are is one's got a triangle on its tummy instead of a circle... Yeah. 
and one's got a uh, visor strip yeah. instead of two individual eyes. And although looking at it now, I think it's a lighting effect, I would definitely at the time have interpreted them as having green shoulders and mouths and noses. Mm. And that would have excited me uh, quite a lot. So I'm, yes, I'm surprised I don't remember drawing those, but I don't. And then I don't think we even see that variation again this issue. Oh no, there's, there's a triangle one a few pages later. Yeah, so it's almost as if triangle one is a different designation of metallics. He's like the squad leader. You'd think he'd be the leader, yeah. except he doesn't... He's not, is he? Because yeah. it's the other one who does all the talking. Well, I suppose... I suppose we don't know that he's got a normal tummy. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he might have a hexagon or something down there. Yeah. You know, number of sides might determine yeah, uh, might your some... ranking. There's a Metallic's ranking system. Yeah. All the circular ones are like privates because they just have they one just side. they just have one side. They're just yeah. like the lowest ranking Metallics. And then the triangles are two steps up from them. And then maybe this guy has a dodecahedron. Yeah. I suppose that probably the triangles are one step up because what would be a two-sided shape? Uh, <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> Chris just tried to physically map out equations um, in the sky. An oval <laughs> that comes to a really sharp point. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yes. I, th- I think you've not. I think you've I cracked it there. Yes, I, I think, think you've cracked it there, one. Chris. Right, contact the mathematicians. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? Contact the Bureau of Math. Write in and let us know, mathematicians. I'm sure we must have some mathematicians watching this. Yeah, must have. No, probably not by now. They'll have they, <laughs> by this point in the podcast. They'll have they'll written have us off out. completely. Yeah. And we get another great little moment here where the metallics is all taped to the air. How many of them are there? One, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen metallics. Mm. Unlucky for some. Um, <laughs> These guys, Megadroid head on. I know, right? Brackets for A readers. <laughs> You tin-plated jerks, what have you done to my planet? I'll tear you apart one by one! And then Vector once again has to grab him by the arm, tell him to cool it, and drag him off. Vector, don't you get sick of always being right. And Charmy leads them into a dead end. Well done, Charmy. Though, to be honest, you know, I'm kind of unpacking it now. Okay. And I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing, the more I think about it a little bit. Right, because we got Vector, level-headed guy, leader... The man who comes up with a plan, he's the man. And he's ready to hold Sonic back because he's had to do this with Mighty already. Mm. Then we got Charmy, the fuck up. Yep. <laughs> That's Charmy's deal. And then, as they're in this dead end alleyway and the Metallics are bearing down on them, Mighty says, Hey, Espio, I bet I take out more of these metal bozos than you before I go down. And then uh, SBO comes back with, you're on, Mighty. And I'm like, yeah, that's their vibe. Mm. So yeah, in just a couple of uh, instances... In the comic strip named after them, mm-hmm. we do actually get a feel for what you know these guys' roles are in the team, what their personalities are. Yeah, and Espio's also there. <laughs> but yeah, because I mean that Espio yeah. um, is the one everyone else. Oh well, he does say "dead end." Nice work, Charmy, you idiot. Uh, so that does go back to backing up my assertion from back during yeah, the original chaotic story that Espio's defining trait is the one who gives Charmy the most stick. Yeah. So I guess he's then the one who wants the team to be the most professional. Like, he's the one who's... The serious yeah, one. That's the serious, my perception. Exactly. That, that's the perception I have pieced together of Espio from what little he's been allowed to do. Yeah. The serious one. What was it he tried to do? His chameleon power sneak up on the metallics there mm. in the last issue, you know. He's the, uh, not the man of action, but down-to-business one. Mm. But Charmy is 
such a f*** up that you do wonder why he's allowed in the team. He just seems to be this kid that's, like, there as well. It's it's a fair question. I think STC does go a bit too hard in its time <laughs> of presenting Charmy as being annoying and useless. I'm trying now, like, like certainly up to this point... I don't think Charmy has ever netted himself any kind of win. No. Or well, he caught Sonic, didn't he? At one point, no, he no, he caught um, he caught somebody. Somebody fell off something, and Charmy caught them at some point. And I feel like that is the only time he's truly got to prove mm. his uh, worth so far. So, I'm gonna be looking out for moments as we go forward where Charmy is allowed peace. I feel like that's something. I don't. I don't know why this is, and it feels like I'm being biased against creatives involved in this. Nope. But I feel like that's something I would expect Lou Stringer to do for the character. Oh. I don't know why that is exactly, but maybe it's because he does such uh, work rehabilitating. Well, rehabilitating is a bit of a uh, harsh term, but but uh, you know, working over Amy mm. and making her a character in her own right. I guess maybe that's why I think of letting Charmy shine as being something I would expect more from Stringer. I don't know if that's even remotely true, so we'll just have to keep an eye out for it as we go on. <laughs> then this robed figure comes up out of the sewers. Yes. Urges him down there. There's another robed figure down there named Rob, who's got a uh, video camera, it looks like. And Sonic says, no photos. I'm not looking my best. Hey, it's Sonic. He can say things like that, even in the face of Armageddon. It's all good. Yep. I actually love this, this the whole lighting across these two oh, pages. Because, uh, yeah, the uh, the whole sewer scenes are all cast in this sort of bluish purplish grey yeah they've gone down into the sewer and as soon as we cut from the surface to the sewer it's it's essentially gone into black and white yeah and i just respect the comic for respecting its audience enough to think that they would go along yeah. with a turn to black and white and not full color yeah, essentially. And, and the color that is there is the it comes well there's a vague glow from the metallic designs but the main yeah. thing is this this machine that's generating arcing electricity that's in the ceiling, that the Metallics come across and go, Anomaly! Something is wrong here! What is the purpose of this equipment? And Sonic, and Porker, oh, and all of them, are stood under there, blank-facedly, and the Metallics realise that something is up, they've been tricked. Emergency! Evacuate the area! Repeat, evacuate! Up they all go. You see the ground, uh, we're back above now, and the ground is like heaving yeah. upwards with bits of metallics flying out. The manhole cover just yeah. coin flipping up in the uh, in the centre. As Elson gets to indulge his uh, drawing, showering pieces of flying yes. metallics' vibe again from back, remember when the... Yeah. Uh, when the uh, metallics exploded before. The spines that they have, things like that. I, well, there's, yeah, there's another one right there's there. One there. This one, yeah. And then, but, oh, but interestingly though, because that's an explosion, and because it's an explosion from this, you know, this thing, it's, you know, it's a, a sort of electricity-based... blue light, yeah, yes. That means that that panel gets to be black and white as well, except for blue. And so it doesn't break the... What happens is, when they go down into the sewer, it goes into this grayscale, blue-tinted-ish black and white. And that doesn't lift until the moment Kinterbor's hood lifts. And it's like yeah. he restores colour to the whole comic. It radiates out of him. It's brilliant. It's lovely. But yeah, it is a great... It's like the comic descends into monochrome and then... This explosion of excitement and colour surges back into the strip as the audience is knocked off their little feet. It, yeah. And we were. Little cotton socks clean across the room. Shooting out. You could tell when this issue came out, because if you walk down any street where children lived, socks came <laughs> flying out of all the windows <laughs> at different times. 
<laughs> it's like fireworks night. We get the explanation that uh, this guy, Rob, uh, the one with the camera, the camera, ma- the camera made a hologram of you, and we set it up back there so the metallics was, was all stop in the same place. And then there was the bomb. So that's what that was all about. There are these little Darth Vader rebreathers yes. on their hoods and everything to, to fully mask their faces. Po- pointless, just a great little artistic touch. Yes, there. although I like to think that it's because, you know, the, the it's so polluted now that you have to breathe yeah, through a thing. And, yeah. no, I was just thinking because they live in the sewers and it smells of poo gas. Oh, there. yeah, so they do, but, don't but they? I prefer your version. <laughs> Sonic wants to know who they are. We are the underground, the last living people of Lewis. The thing is, with this voice that you've established for Kinterbor, Sonic really ought to have placed where he's heard that voice before but we're going with well, well 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 it's probably the rebreather isn't it doing a bit of the old so whenever you're editing this put a little filter effect on there so uh, it'll confuse yes. things you know so let me take that again okay <laughs> we are the underground the last living people in Nevis and I know you Sonic it's good to see you again for real thought you were dead look just who are you my name <laughs> Is Dr. Ovi Kinterbor. And he shakes, he dramatically shakes his hair out and everything. <laughs> you can hear the boing as the hair just springs right back. I never even thought about how obviously that doesn't fit under the <laughs> What's holding the mustache in? <laughs> oh, wow, that's like, I've never thought about that once in 25 years. It's only until you've said that. Because... Because the impact of the moment is so overwhelming that all, any any concession to reality yeah. does not matter. Yeah, you couldn't do an animated version of this because instead of the dramatic sting, it would go like... <laughs> Kinnabor, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the one who turned into Dr. Robotnik. Next oh. issue... How it, it all, all began. began. One of the most mm. exciting phrases in UK children's media. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my God, yes. We've talked about that on the show before, haven't most, we? Uh, have we? I feel like it's come up at some point. How it all began <laughs> was the name of the VHS release of the abridged <laughs> version of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles five-part pilot miniseries. Yes, edited down to about 20 minutes. was not broadcast on television mm. over here. There was a clip show episode from the, the third season of Turtles in which Splinter loses his memory. Yes. So then the, the much of that episode is built up of flashbacks to the original mm. pilot to fill in the origins of the Turtles and, uh, yeah. and all that stuff. And they took that... And put it out on video as this How It All Began special. You know, they didn't include the entire episode, was the thing. It starts with the turtles telling Splinter yes! that th- their past, there's no context for Splinter's lost memories. It opens with Leonardo saying, You were once a man in Japan. And I, 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 what? Your Hang name on. is Splinter. <laughs> your name is Splinter, but your real name is Hamato Yoshi. You lived in Japan. And you weren't a rat. But that's burned in because that's how we discovered this. Well, no, I mean, most of us had probably read a comic or something that told us the full story. For me, it was trading cards and then a book came out. But yeah, no, that video was like, that's the thing you had to have if you were a fan. That was the one. Mm. And I didn't. My my friend had it. My big Turtles fan friend had it. I would have only ever rented it. it but it was so exciting. So Turtles is good, but so is Sonic. And uh, <laughs> we got anything else then? Because I've been overcome with excitement. I don't think I have. I, I That's it. Because the thing about this issue, the thing about this issue is, Chris, 
Next issue. <laughs> That's the thing about this issue. It's a cliffhanger with a comic attached. That's what it is. And so... It's kind of true, yeah. You know, so it's the next part of the story is what I wanted. And it really got me excited. It's got me excited again. I'm not even 100% sure that what you're remembering as the next part is the next part. I think what you're thinking of as the next part is part five. I'm not even remembering the next part. Now that you say that, yes. No, I, I've no idea what happens in the next one. I just remember needing it. Give me Kinterbor. Yeah, Kinterbor. Okay, this primal idea. Kinterbor. The, he hasn't appeared in the comic for ages, even as a holographic head. That's true. When did we last ascertain he ages appeared? He ago. popped up in Badnick's Bridge literally a year yes. ago to tell them about the the Death Egg Thruster. He must have appeared since then. We saw him briefly on a screen in a briefcase laptop that porker lewis had oh he's no he was in the but yeah that's when we saw him last in the brotherhood of metallics remember he he tracked the signal of mr blobnik so that was oh, when we last saw yes that's yes, when we yes, last yes. Saw but even then yeah as you say it's in the briefcase he hasn't been the iconic image mm. of the head yeah. the hologram head floating in the column of the zordon yeah he hasn't been that since mid 94 no only 15 issues after the concept was even introduced. I know, he's barely in it. He will become that again. Oh, will he? Oh, good. Oh, that's nice to know. Well, I'm sure he must. But another thing to add is that in all that time when he was in that, when he was there, holographic head in the base, when he was in the Bad Nick's Bridge, when he was in the Brotherhood of Metallics, all those appearances, there's no guarantee that the kids of, let's say, seven reading the comic at that time would have had any reason to suspect that he was Dr. Robotnik's original form. That's very true. They don't play that up. No, yeah. we're about to be reintroduced to a section of Sonic lore that, like, the likes of us thought was fundamental, but which hasn't been mentioned for a while, and which, you know, the people in charge of Sonic apparently weren't aware existed at all, because they, <laughs> they just cast it off without a second thought uh, later on. <sighs> but yeah, at, at this point, we're what, what we are about to face is... On a level with Sonic in the Fourth Dimension in terms of threading things back to that story and like, ooh, can't wait. Cool bear, though. Rob, his name is, and that makes me wonder. You know, what's that yeah. about? His name's Rob, like Rob Otnick. Is yeah. it some sort of primal thing? That, Rob Otnick. That's just where Kinderbor will wind up with, with guys. Yeah, no, probably not. Probably just a coincidence. But still. <laughs> Love his uh, Jody LaForge glasses. Exactly, looks really cool. Because it's an evil dystopian future. Yes. That's just what we do. It's literally 1996, yes. but it's also a dystopian machine future. And that's just what we dress like. <laughs> Graphic <laughs> Zone. Bat-hog zone. Bat-hog, wow. It's almost silly to have this be the... I feel like we should have the context for the graphic yeah. zone first. I know, we yeah. the Q zone up and put the Bat-hog zone in later. Yeah, why do we have a Batman-based graphic zone? I mean, okay, they have told us on the cover and in the control zone, but it's odd, isn't it? But still, yeah. yeah. Because this is uh, based on the Batman Forever Q zone, since Batman Forever was just last year. That's yeah. the most recent hot new Batman thing. And you can see it in play in some of these drawings, too. Okay, so the first one is a... Well, I was going to say, purely on the basis that it's a girl, Amy Rose, but there's no real proof of that. Well, she's got a big point on her head, so presumably it's... But it's, not like Amy. Well, and, it's, and it's got Amy's quiff. Oh, yeah, it's got Amy's quiff. Okay, well, anyway, this, this is Sarah Adamson of Bells Hill, Scotland, has drawn us Catwoman, but it's Amy Rose. A perfect cat hog, <laughs> they've uh, captioned it here, yes. And, um... 
it's not any specific Catwoman, by which I mean it's not the Catwoman from the cartoon, nor is it technically Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. <laughs> uh, okay, fine, no. But it's, uh, I mean, it isn't drawn at the level of detail, really, that you would pick that out. It's just a more human, less hedgehog That's woman. true. She has very humanoid proportions, it just if you know what I mean. C- covered in shiny black, basically, and with separate yeah. boots. Um, and, yes... Uh, sort of all of the upward points of Amy's hair have been consolidated into a single cone head. I think that's the idea, yeah. Yeah. Because she's, she, as I say, she's got Amy's hat. quiff on the, on her forehead, so her forelock. She does, and it's encased in the latex somehow. That's been picked Don't out. Don't worry about it. I won't. <laughs> I won't. I think that's the sort of suit where, rather than put it on, you stand on a disc and say, restrain this person, and it slivers <laughs> up them. David McGlynn of Dublin has, uh, has drawn... Sonic is Batman. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's what it is. What can I? What else can I say? Off to the Gotham City Zone, says the caption. I'll tell you what I can say is that this has been copied uh, from that panel uh, in the uh, two-part story. Do you remember where Sonic and co. rescued some Emerald Hillers from the Badnik processing plant with the stinky-breathed lizard man who had the whip? I remember that issue, yes. Because this is the panel of Sonic <laughs> catching the Oh, whip. right. Okay, yeah. So it Which is. he has repurposed here as a Batman grapple rope. Yes. Now the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love the one from Andrew Potts of Cobham, Surrey. It's great. You know, there's a temptation sometimes to look at things like this and think, that's not Batman, he's just Sonic as a bat yeah. or something. But he's got he's the Batman got the logo, logo on, on his the tummy, tongue. so it cannot be denied. I mean, they've just captioned this one, Bat-Sonic. Yep. It's, it's Sonic with a Batman logo on his tummy and his arms outstretched and big black yes. rectangles in there as wings or a cape or something. The sort of wingsy cape. The reason I love it so much is that Andrew has drawn a... He's a, he looks like quite a young child, and he's drawn yes. with what looks like felt tips, a Sonic, and he's got most of it right. He's drawn... Yes, all the all the parts are there. <laughs> he's drawn... To, to about the right proportions, he's drawn Sonic's head with his spikes, his ears, and his, and his body, and his legs, and his arms. But... <laughs> Sonic, <laughs> Sonic's eyes and mouth and his muzzle and nose are uh, like an asterisk in the corner of his head. <laughs> they're, they're tiny, and they're really far up, and it gives him the look of... Do you remember, do you remember Dolan? Yes, remember that's exactly what it is. I just wanted to say it was a meme face, but that is... That's the meme. It's Dolan. <laughs> it makes him look like that. Or he carries the attitude of Dolan anyway. He does. I think part of it is because uh, Andrew has chosen to put all four of Sonic's spikes on yeah. his head and neck rather than running down his back. Yeah. And it's it's made his head it kind of distended. But wow, that is so... The Dolan energy is off the charts on that one. That's exactly what it is. I didn't realise it was a specific meme I was it's thinking It's having of. the mouth really high up. That that is a form of comedy straight away. It it necessarily shrinks the eyes down. I don't know quite why. I feel as if he'd drawn quite a lot of the head before he remembered he had to do anything else. Yeah, right. Now Lee Vickers <laughs> over to the right here done a very oh, nice job. Is... I have to assume this has been copied from something. No, it's, I know. I, I bet I know. I think it's the one where Robotnik gets Sonic's powers. You remember he turns blue and gets the cape. It looks better than that. It does. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. This drawing of, well, d- this drawing of Robotnik's head specifically, uh-huh. for it is Robotnik as the Riddler and yeah. Grimer as Two-Face. Hmm. Which is a great little touch because we've got Two-Face in the back, Two-Face Grimer in the background, so one half of him is normal 
and the other it's half is Grimer, Grimer face. Green that's great. Like yeah. that's really yeah, you good. Got a, you got a green Grimer half, and then this other half is just this bored-looking man without yeah. any nobbles on his face and with little sort of wisps of hair out the side. The, Lee Vickers of North London. Good stuff. Uh, what else has he done? He's now. Is this a printing thing, or is there a version of the Riddler who's greyer than he is green? Well, you know, Jim Carrey went through quite a few costumes in Batman mm. Forever. Didn't he wear kind of a spangly, silvery one at the very end? Oh, it's possible. I don't know. Could be going for that. But uh, it's just a really good um, drawing of Robotnik's head. It is. What can I tell you? It's a really great evil Grinch. It's been copied Including very well. Including making his eyebrows, you know, bulge out as over the mask the way yeah, a turtle. Yeah, with the mask. mask, yeah. Yeah, just like a turtle. Wow, the turtles are, uh, the turtle energy oh. is, is, is deeply embedded oh, no. here, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. It's just like a turtle. It's, it's, it looks exactly like you would have expected Robotnik wearing a turtle mm. mask in the cartoon to yes, look like. Except that if... The adventurous cartoon, that yes, is Yes, except say. that if I was drawing this, if I was Lee Vickers and I'd drawn this and I'd drawn that brilliant mask over that robotic head i would have been unable to avoid just accidentally and idly drawing the little knot and two tassels coming off the back of the mask (laughs) that would even today i think i would automatically draw that and he's got a staff Uh, what's going on with this logo on the top of the staff that a riddler thing i don't know no he's got a question mark well it says r so it could be r for robotnik or it could be r for yes but it's on us but it's on a circle with two little antennae coming off it again that's making me think of the end of batman forever you know when he does that whole Uh, thing with the the butt he's definitely waving a stick around i can't remember i think i saw it quite recently but i don't remember that sort of detail it it doesn't live in the memory sam eastwood from oldham has done Look, it's a perfectly nice drawing of Sonic dressed as Batman, but sweet. all the credit has to go to the caption on this one, where STC have oh, captioned wow. it, the Caped Cruise Sega. Nice. Oh, there you go. Here, we, There we go. That's what Deborah's in for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, a lovely little cartoonish drawing of, of Sonic as Just Batman. a sweet drawing of Sonic as Batman. Yeah, there's nothing to say, really. Sonic as Batman. Same deal with the one below yep. that. Matthew Sutton. Uh, not even Sonic is Batman. It's Sonic with a Batman logo on his chest and a cape. Yeah. The key difference being that Sam Eastwood has the hat on. <laughs> what do you call Batman's mask? A cowl. a cowl. Is that a cowl? I literally only know that as a child because there was an episode. I would have always just called it a mask. Yes. But there's an episode of Batman the Animated Series called The Cape and Cowl Conspiracy. That's where I yes. learned the word, the word cowl, cowl. And that's how I know Batman wears a cowl. I also learned the word cowl from Batman. But I feel as if a cowl... Is more shouldersy than anything head-based, but I guess Batman's one does cover both. I mean that that is true, but ba- certainly Michael Keaton. Yes, that's a now that's a cowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas this one uh, by Mark Matthew Sutton, yeah, it's it's just a drawing of Sonic, but yeah. he's left his. He's all wobbly, bit classy, super. He's left, yeah, it is actually. He's left his face and tummy white, uh, and he's given him a black uh, cape. That's. That's it. Can't really tell what's going on with the hand down by his no. um, waist. Yes. I assume that is supposed to be another finger or thumb, but it's just so it, twistedly a clue drawn. is given if you look at the state of the other hand and you realise that this exactly. is just a kid it's, it's, sort of <laughs> conceptually drawing similar lines to the ones he's seen in other drawings rather than knowing what they're of. Um, fair enough. We'll be in there. Jonathan Kushner continues the Batman Forever theme with Sonic as the yeah. Riddler. Riddle me this, but he's done that thing where he's he's wearing the bandana mask, but it's only over his pupils. Yes. <laughs> so the fabric is touching the whites of his eyes. And then the last one, which we have saved for last for a yes, very special reason, it's the it's the odd one out image, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. This is James Howell from Irvine in Scotland, and he has drawn Sonic as Batmobile. 
or a Sonic Batmobile. One or the other. We can't see into his mind. Well, I think he's just drawn Sonic as a car. You're right. You're right! I don't necessarily think this is a Batmobile. You're absolutely right! They have been able to repurpose it as a Batmobile because the way James They fooled me. They completely swindled me because the Sonic spikes on the back have something of the air of Batmobile Mm. decorations about them. Exactly, yes. I don't think it's supposed to be. It's got two doors, for goodness sake. You're absolutely (laughs) right. It's just Sonic the car. I've been ad! I've been done! Well, that's how they're supposed to get yeah. you. You know, you're supposed to be tricked into thinking this is all one cohesive graphic zone. They call it the Mega Drive Mobile, not even the Sonic Mobile or anything like that. The Mega Drive Mobile. The uh, the caption says. I, um, so <laughs> there's a what looks like a you know a, what you read as a sort of a red light on the front and back as as they have on a car. And, but the first yeah. one, the, the front one, appeared to have some little marks in it that made me think, oh, is that a license plate? What have they put? So I've just peered at it now, and I swear to God it says Coke. Uh, could do. I think it just says Coke. Could do. I sort of read it as saying turd. <laughs> oh, be. that'll be it. I'm sure it says turd. <laughs> yeah. Because that, the, that, there you go. So it is the Batmobile, because that's the license plate of the Batmobile. I, I got it. It says turbo. <laughs> the O is outside the red circle. It says turbo. Oh, you're right. Wow, what a, what, a, what a puzzle this one is to unpack and decipher and study all the individual elements of. So it is closer to turd than it is to coke in the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a silly comic this is. Uh, oh. <laughs> we got we've got more coming up later on, and I'm loving it. Decap attack. The Headless Snowmen, written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Rayner. Art by Nigel Kitching, letters by Tom Frame. Head's newfound fame is over before it even begins, and he turns to drink. While around town, snowman heads keep disappearing. The culprit is soon revealed when Chuck returns to the castle, claiming he's got a new head to replace Head. A stolen snowman noggin that soon melts like all the others. Chuck tries to convince Head to get together again, but Head's still got his pride, and Chuck is thrown out into the cold once more. What a load of silly old nonsense. It's a load of silly mucking about, isn't it? Here's something I really love, and it's present from the first page onwards. When Head, a skull, hits a down point in his life, he grows stubble all over him. I love it. It's great, isn't it? His teeth are all rotten again after being yes, fixed last oh, yeah. episode. And I, but it, it's the stubble that really <laughs> sets it off. Yes, I'm, I was so glad to read this and and see the that bizarre muffed punchline ending of last issue's story at least be picked right. up again so that some context was right, provided yeah. for it, you know. Yes, Chuck got thrown out. Yes, we did end with Head still famous, and now he's not famous anymore in between stories. Speaking of which, absolutely brilliant first page of this comic. It is yes. a full page of one thing. Not even, I mean, I nearly said a panel. It's a full page, full bleed, no border. Mm-hmm. And all, all it is, is the hands of Igor, I assume, because they're green, holding a copy yeah. of the Transylvanian Times. And we get to see the whole front page of the Transylvanian Times, and it says, the headline is, When will this madness end... <laughs> Mystery of missing snowmen heads Fifth this week Police still baffled as gruesome thefts continue And there's a picture of a little boy crying In front of a snowman with no head And a policeman behind him just shrugging 
Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> we we ain't got any. <laughs> I'm a little surprised to discover it's the Transylvanian Times. I never got the impression they lived in Transylvania. Oh, you thought they were still in Cardiff. Prof comes from Cardiff. <laughs> but then in set to this. But something about this is... Brit- right, I know me and I know my heart and I know my mind. And I know that a lot of the time this is the sort of thing I would skim over and not notice the last detail. So this must be just placed just right to catch the eye because there's an inset story that says Head's film career fails and there's a picture of Head all stubbly and surrounded by drinks and it says this year's uh, this year's winner of Monster of the Year has turned to drink. Full story, page seven. And it is this, this inset sub-story that we continue on with as we turn the page of the comic. Yeah. Brilliantly done. Flip the page. It goes from a black and white photo of head in a newspaper. Yeah. Flip the page. Boom. Full color image of not literally the same panel, but basically the same it, panel. Yeah, it's redrawn, as, but it's the same. Yeah. And the stubble much more pronounced as head sings <laughs> to himself. I ain't got nobody. <laughs> <laughs> You should take it easy. That stuff goes straight to your head, head. <laughs> head jokes. All good. All good. Big wild takes in this issue, too. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bell rings. Igor answers the door, goes, It can't be! And his head just... Yeah, triples <laughs> in size. How come Professor Stein is not coloured in this issue? That's new, right? Yeah, that is an odd one. I-, I thought at first that he was ever so slightly, but he really isn't, is he? He really is the same white colour as his yeah, lab that's coat. Yeah, just, that's just blank paper. Yeah, his... Maybe he was out of the flesh tone pen, <laughs> who knows? Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it could happen. It's... You can get away it's, with yeah, it. Yeah, it gets away with it perfectly fine, because it's already a quite stark coloured comic anyway. There's mm. the, the bright sort of blood red of the background elements, like the door and the beams and things, and stark blues and purples. You know you know what? That's something we haven't really flagged up until now. That- but it's easy to forget just how vibrantly coloured mm. Decap Attack was in its original serial. Yes. And it's it hasn't been a switch flip or something. It's just gradually, ever since that first serial, through the second and on into this third run of strips, the colours have just become more faded. Igor, they faded right away. Igor used to be bright green. Oh, right. And he's mu- much more of a swampy, yellowy green now. Yeah. That's been, that's been the case for well, what it Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I will have said this at the time, but in the, in the original strip, it was Halloween colours. And not just in the sense of, you know, green and orange and stuff, but like in the sense of, I think of Halloween colours as being vivid, dark colours born from my 80s childhood era's ability to perhaps print them cheaply on stickers and plastic bags and costumes and things. Elemental paint colours. And yes, that has softened over time, but there's a, a touch of it is actually back for this. Well, probably. the background is certainly... In the background, It's yeah. not to say that the comic ever stops using bright reds or no. purples when it wants to. It's just that the overall palette of the strip has become much more pastel As it has changed from what was once a Halloween-y comic to just some mm. silly characters we know about. We get that. I love this shot. Igor answers the door and we see this figure silhouetted in the door, which looks like a normal figure with a head as a lightning strike behind it yeah. silhouettes it entirely. <laughs> a normal figure with head. A headed man. Then on the next page, we see that it's in a, a lovely big uh, panel of Chuck with a snowman head between his shoulders. And he goes, Oh, guys, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to meet my new head. <laughs> There's also this gag about head drinking creosote, which I don't think really lands. Oh, I quite liked it. Um, I mean, I guess it needs you to know what creosote is. That's or, the or thing. Or does it rely 
on creosote being an inherently funny word. Uh, to me, both as a child and now, because I still don't really know what creosote is, except that people That's used it. to put it on fences back in a time when people yes, had it was, fences. It was a waterproofing exactly. thing. It's, uh, it's uh, outlawed now. Oh, is it? Yes, it's a carcinogen. Oh, I didn't know that. Right, well, I better not. It's a good job I haven't got any fences then, isn't it? Otherwise I'd have been painting that straight Good job there. you haven't been drinking it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. No, it lands as a... One of those jokes that, as a kid, you laughed at because you recognised a joke had been told even though you didn't get it. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. Because the format is, get me some more of that stuff from the green bottles. And he says... Igor, I think I know where the creosote has been going. Yeah, so you go, aha, he's been drinking the wrong thing. He's been drinking something that he shouldn't be drinking. Something wrong. It doesn't yeah. feel like a two-panel gag. That might be it, you know. It doesn't feel like a two-panel gag. More than that, even, because, like, on the second panel of the previous page, he's commented on the fact that he's been drinking these things. So, really, it's like a two... Like, the, the, the gag stretches across most of two pages. I guess maybe it's the fact that it does run on that long that yeah. the, the punchline isn't doesn't seem quite, quite like the payoff for... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what substance would be funnier for a child to read. Let's think. Pee-pee. Um, but why would you be keeping bottles of pee-pee around the house? Y yeah, but you but because they, they have a lab, so they could say bile samples or something, couldn't they? Yeah, or, that's true. They could get anything out of Prof's yeah. lab. <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway, uh, there's no funny answer to this. So anyway, <laughs> or it's beyond us at the very least. But it's all right, because on a very base level, I was giggling at the faces. There are some really good Just the next there, one. But... There's not much to it, but just Chuck coming in with this great big goofy grin on his face. He's so happy. He's, he's so, so happy that happy. he's got his big fake head. And he's got this head that's definitely a snowman head with a carrot for a nose and coal dots for a mouth and eyes. Yeah. And Stein is completely taken in yeah. by this. Hello there, nice to meet you. <laughs> he seems somewhat on the quiet side. Oh, he's just a little shy. <laughs> but Igor, right away, <laughs> is like, that's the snowman head you have there. Come on over and warm yourself by the fire. <laughs> well, I don't think that would be a good idea. My new head doesn't really like it too warm. <laughs> oh, bit. And, uh, and then, progressively, over the span of... I forgot, sorry. I just spotted a joke I forgot. <laughs> Over the span of three panels, the head melts. The first thing that happens, Igor brings up this nutter who's been going around stealing snowman heads. As the head melts, the carrot nose falls <laughs> off and the... And Stein goes, his nose fell off. Don't worry, I'm ein doctor. <laughs> I didn't notice that either. And then Igor goes, you don't need a doctor, he needs a greengrocer. <laughs> Followed by a very good Chuck face. That's the best face in the panel. The head melts away to nothing, and Chuck's gets this super big sad yeah. face. He's almost yeah. as melted himself. Yes, he? that's it. He's almost like he has melted as well. <laughs> you can hear the cartoon sound effect of the... Yeah. Of, of the, the face falling. In the, the down the violin string note. <laughs> yeah. Or the slide whistle going the other way. <laughs> yes. And then he tries to convince Head to uh, to get back together. What I'm trying to say is I think Head and me ought to get together again. You mean like in the old days? That's right. When you used to hurl me about all day long and the neighbourhood snowmen slept safe in their beds. What do you say, old buddy? Slam! You can put a door slam sound effect in there. Yes. Slam! The end! Next issue, Decap Dazzler, Nanny Knows Best. One has to assume that, once again, 
It will pick up from where we've left off. Yes. Which makes this run of stories, it is all technically one yeah. story, but it's not a six part, you know. Yeah, so I like that. Mm. Yeah. We haven't quite got to the point where Decap Attack is just some silly adventures one time. Yeah. It's a gradual metamorphosis into sitcom stuff mm, where yeah. they just spend five pages doing something silly. <laughs> yeah. It's not an elegant metamorphosis, I have to be fair. Because <laughs> we, we had that weird ending to last issue with the muff joke, the creosote gag that I'm not sure 100% lands, but there is plenty of other good funny stuff. You can't review Decapitate. No, can you me. can't. It's just nice to look it's at. Just it's, jokes. A, it's just jokes and good. Yeah, good it's a good time. It's just a little bit of Buster and a little bit of Beano in your STC and why not sorry I looked at the panel again where the nose fell off <laughs> Stein is so poised for action he's in a big action pose one hand clenched the other hand pointing off into the distance I am Ein Doctor yeah bit like big frowny eyebrows he's... like it's the biggest emergency he's ever heard of oh, his nose has fell off so Quick. bizarrely taken in by this ruse that he doesn't recognise it as a snowman it's great Pin up. <laughs> and we've got the poster <laughs> It's just I'd a... like to institute a write-in poll on this one. Is this the worst one of these we've had so far? <laughs> it's just a... It's so daft-looking. It's a daft-looking... What, chameleon are we going to say? What? What is he? I guess they... Yeah, see, they're called neutrons. Yeah. Spelled N-E-W-T. Yeah, as opposed yeah. To like newt, a newt. You know, yeah. Is that what a newt but, looks uh, like? I don't know. I don't know many lizards. Well, it doesn't not look like that. Yeah. But obviously it's a chameleon because they appear from nowhere on the backgrounds of the Green Hill Zone. Yeah. That's their thing that they do. Exactly. They fade in. They are chameleons. Because they colour change. They're chameleons. But it's just there. You know, it's not like last issue where we had a load of spikers and having a party with their little hats on yeah. or um, or a load of asterons that you could cut out and put on your tree. And I've just looked it up. In Japan, they are called millions. There you go. I there mean, Neutron, better name, just yeah. not as relevant. Mm. But this is just a drawing of that. This is... Yeah. I mean, this isn't even as good as the coconuts or bat brain ones, and no. they were terrible because they at least had backgrounds, and the backgrounds were also terrible. But this, yeah, this is they just simply haven't rubbish. haven't done one here. They haven't even like put down a bed of color. What they've done is they've done a a sort of a spray can oval gradient behind him, so it's a little bit blue green behind him, going out to just white around the page, just unprinted paper. Yep, that's it. You there? You, no, there. It's. Big picture of Badnik. Better add that to the wall. I don't think these centre pages are going to get any better anytime soon, Dave. So this seems like the best possible time for you to try and uh, brighten our day with some news direct from 1996. Okay, as we enter the... Diary Zone. Yes, uh, this is my... Genuinely, this is my diary from 1990, what is now six. I am a little boy. I'm about 13, am I, at this stage? We're doing quite well so far, aren't we? We haven't said 1995 accidentally once yet. Oh, no, that's a point. No. But yeah, we join my younger self in 1996. What will the new year bring? Well, Tuesday the 9th of January. Back to school. <laughs> yeah. You let me down, Dave. You built me up and you let me down. Oh, well, some good news. During the thaw, both the gym and the French room were flooded. And we can't go in either of them! Hey! Yeah, you built me up, you knocked me down, and you built me right back up again! And the wooden gym floor has warped! Hey, no pee! No this pee, is the best no news, pee. no pee! Yeah, and it's too cold to do outside PE, so no PE! I was gonna say, would they not just make you do it outside? We'd probably have been made to do it outside. 
I bet we did. Um, uh, but, uh, but I haven't mentioned that, so but evidently I'm... Yeah, it might have been all right. I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. I've just remembered. Memory come crashing in. Yeah. <laughs> I've never put this together, but there was this glorious golden period at this school around this time when we spent like six months of PE playing snooker and mucking about inside. Snooker? Yeah, we were just indoors and we were doing ping pong and stuff. It was amazingly good compared to PE. Snooker, though. Snooker? <laughs> It might have been pool, but one of them, yeah. Even so! Exactly. So, yeah. Oh, that will have been why they were rebuilding that the That is gym. not a physical education. I remember it was something to do with pipes. I think the pipes all froze, and then it thawed, so that all leaked out, and it all and it it burst. burst. And yeah, that, that was it. So, yeah, that was French and the gym. Oh, what a good day. Friday the 12th. This will put you in a certain time. I am addicted to the demon headmaster. It started on the last Thursday of the holidays and has been on every Tuesday and Thursday since. There you go, listeners. That's exactly when Demon Headmaster was on. A very specific time period. Thank you. Yeah, I really I really got into that. I'd already read the second book of Primary School. Yeah, it was a good show. I'd read the books. Yeah. Hmm. I'd only read the second one and only then, the, I think, the first half, but I was into it. And then TV series sealed the deal. I was well into the that. The second one is the one about the computer, right? Yes, with yeah. the octopus on it. That's it, the octopus. That's right. Yeah. I think I'm slightly confusing it with, and here's a pool for you. Hmm. Nice chap. Nice chap. Russell T. Davies. <laughs> yes, from, from, <laughs> from Breakfast, breakfast Cereals. cereals. I have to explain. I have to make it clear. There's something really weird happening around here. Go away! Because there was an evil computer in the second of those serials? Maybe even the first? Maybe that was just the overall baddie? I think it was just called It. That sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I don't think I've ever met anyone who knows about Nice Chap before. Oh, yeah, Breakfast Cereals. Yeah. That was on... When was that on? That was kind of on in the mornings on Saturdays before going live or whatever, wasn't it? That's when it was on. Sounds plausible, And the idea yeah. was it was a show that had... Well, breakfast cereals, S-E-R-I-A-L-S, you know, because it was made up of, of what, four short cereals that continued uh, uh, week on week or day on day or whatever. Now, the only one I remember is Nice Chap. I only cared about Nice Chap. The others were like a serious drama one. There was, was a stuff serious didn't care drama about. one. Wasn't yeah. There? Wow, you've remembered. Yeah. Nice Chap was about a comic strip character that was brought to life by Lightning? A machine? I can't remember. It was both on different occasions. He came to life anyway. Talked in rhyme. Very nice bloke. This lady's character was this very nice guy. And he was like, that was his whole draw. He was just really nice. And he came alive. And then, then there was the next series. There was the one. Yeah, where he became <laughs> evil nice chap. Because, because she, she got, got really angry. She was in a bad mood. Reason, so she put angry eyebrows, angry eyebrows on him. Angry eyebrows on the art. <laughs> And then he came alive and he was evil this and he time. he was evil, nice chap. And he wanted to, what, turn everybody into comics or something like that? My one memory, really, of the series, apart from the bit with the eyebrows, was that it all came to a head mm. on a roof where an evil machine, or um, a machine of some sort, which was like a box with a radar on top of it, a big satellite dish on it. Yeah, I seem to remember nice chap carrying that around. That might have been a portable turn-you-into-a-comic type thing. He might have zapped right. people with it. And then the, a comic page fell down with a drawing of them on it. Yes, well, the end of that series was that that machine got turned into a comic and they held it up all relieved. Here it is. And I remember that the way it was drawn, it was the first time I'd ever really taken on board that if you're going to draw a box cartoony, bend it out towards the corners. Because that was how it was drawn. I remember, oh, whoever's drawn that is a good cartoonist. 
I'm relatively convinced that it was Russell T. Davies who drew all the cartoons in that. He, I can believe that. I can't yeah. remember why, but I think it was when I heard him interviewed on Out of the Broom Cupboard, a podcast recently, where it's a lovely two-hour interview with him and you just end up loving him. I'd recommend listening to that. And he said that he was a cartoonist and he'd mentioned something that made me think, he drew nice chap, didn't he? You remember he drew that picture of Jodie Whittaker? I don't remember that, did he? You remember that? He drew, he drew Jodie as Jodie's doctor. No, I warn you. Hmm. You're gonna f***ing love this. Okay. <laughs> he drew nice chat. <laughs> That's the same artist, I'm sure. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Isn't it brilliant? Love it. That is what nice chap looked like. Kind of Google image search nice chap. I really like Russell T Davies, but I'm annoyed at all of his different talents and abilities. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't it sickening whenever talented people suddenly reveal that they're also good at other things too? Like they can speak four languages yeah. or they also know how to model in 3D or something. Yes. It's like, God damn it. No wonder we're so useless at everything. Like, because you're <laughs> like, there's a certain amount of talent that goes around yes. in the world and you're hoarding it all. Limited pool of the stuff, right? You lovely people. <laughs> oh, man. And the, even the Wikipedia page for breakfast cereals is labeled this topic may not meet Wikipedia's notability guidelines. Man, yeah, the breakfast cereals, we'll get back to doing the podcast. <laughs> we'll be back to Sonic in a minute. I've got a dinner date to go to. Yeah, no, but it's just at the Wikipedia page here. I can see why it would be labeled as such because the only thing on here is the Nice Chap stuff. Nobody cared about anything no else. One gave a about the rest of it. Nice Chap is brought to life when a bolt of lightning strikes Susie's drawing board. The two are placed in mortal danger by rival comics company Mega Comics, managed by Joyce and Norris. Uh, and manned by a megalomaniacal supercomputer named It. There we go. It. I remember that. Joyce and Norris become friends with Susie at the end. Nice chap two. Six months later, the supercomputer takes control of Norris and lays siege to a television station. Nice chap and Susie foil his plans and all's returned to normal. Nice chap <laughs> three. Another six months later. Nice chap is turned evil when his creator, in a fit of anger, draws dark eyebrows on him. At the serial's conclusion, the renegade nice chap is killed by a doppelganger, and his creator gives in to her despair, using a device called the Crash Machine to send herself into nice chap's dimension and be with a positive version of him forever. Aww. Bit grim, but very Russell, Russell T. Davies. Davies. Yeah. The other thing I always remember about that show was the uh, the linking segments where the little, little puppets. puppets wasn't it a tomato, uh, a, a can, a teapot, and, uh, I think? teapot, or a kettle, yeah, something, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they were just linking. They 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 all talked in accents of, course, of various of kinds, and they would always sing um, "Chirpy Chirpy Cheep Cheep" at the end of the. Uh, would they? At the end of the show, it was their outro song. They sang for some reason. <laughs> Why did they do that? That was their thing that they did. One of the things I love about Russell T. Davies that can't be replicated anymore, including by Russell T. Davies, is that they used to let him write such stupid bollocks. Yep. And I mean that affectionately. I don't mean it as a criticism. Yeah, yeah. Like, you'd never get this on telly now. No, God, no. It was charmingly rubbish. It's just some mucking about. Like the flashing blade. Where are you going to get the flashing blade? Oh, wow. That was a, oof. That was a deep pull. I, I did. It wasn't because someone mentioned it like yesterday and i was like a flashing blade and turns out that was russell t davies and that was on I had no idea that was in on the waterfront which i do vaguely remember i have no real memories of that i just have a vague knowledge of it i don't think i ever saw it maybe. i can sing you the theme tune and that's all on the waterfront come and join the fun
Wow, anyway, so we have dived into some stuff on this one, but it's a real delight to be able to talk about freaking nice chap. I mean, you think we had run out of stuff to talk about in the 90s by 69 issues into this, but that, well, that's what we're down to. We're down to we're, breakfast Yeah, we've got as far as nice chap, chap now. At this point. Yeah, we're really scraping the bottom of the breakfast Write in and let us know if you remember nice chap. I'm still in the diary and we haven't got to the Sonic bit yet. Yes, so. I was going to say, take us back to the diary now, yes. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of Tuesday the 16th. My recent Sonic friends, that's not what it says, I just don't want to name people because it might be embarrassing for them. The ones that you met. uh, Who own a copy of Sonic Sonic CD. CD, Showed me some game designs for a new Sonic game. I, yeah, I did one level, which I haven't finished. Diamond Hill, a hill stroke mine zone. And now I'm hooked. So I'm getting addicted. I'm getting hooked. I'm drawing Sonic levels. Next day, Wednesday the 17th, this has escalated. We're making the Sonic game. We're going to make it. Oh, right. I was getting confused there for a second. Where? How did you play it? Chris, that is a, that's a later stage and we're not concerned with it right now. Okay. We're just making them now. What we're doing is we're drawing them on bits of paper. That's what we're doing right, right now. Right, okay. So here on the 17th, we have decided we're making the Sonic game and here are our jobs. <laughs> Me... Because this is organised, you understand? Of course, of course. That's why when this hit the shelves, it was so polished. Oh, yes. Me, zones, a few badniks, music, title screens, anim storyboards, and anims. Obviously short for animation, but that was the parlance of Amiga games at the time. The intro anim. Of course. Sonic CD Friend 1 is going to be making zones, music plans, game ideas, and special zones. Sonic CD Friend 2 will be doing zones, brackets a few, and game layout... And then my existing best friend and End of Mobius co-author will be contributing badniks and odd levels. <laughs> the next day... Plans cancelled. Fallen out. No mention of it ever again. It's all forgotten. <laughs> I don't think we ever got any further with any of that. But there is an interesting detail on the Thursday of the 18th which illuminates my impression of myself today in a weird way. I report the cool news that uh, one of my best friends, who I've always considered the has his together one, who was much better at school than I was, was moved up into the top set in maths today. And the reason that that's cool is that I was already in the top set. In maths? In maths. I was in the top set in maths. There was a What's time... What's that all about? Oh, because I wasn't good at maths. Surely. It's like I always used to say, mm. when I was at school, yeah, I used to know how to do long division. Yeah. I used to do simultaneous equations. And now I can tell you the title of every Transformers episode. (laughs) The brain can only retain certain things, you know? And that's what my brain has chosen to hold on to rather than... Well, to be fair, I was going to say usable life skills, but there's nothing usable about long division. It's just the the content knowledge that I could do it if I was presented with it would not even know where to start. No. Maybe write in if you know how to do long division and have found practical applications of that. But, uh, <laughs> well, it doesn't count if you're in STEM. It, it, exactly. It doesn't count if you went on to be an actual mathematician or something, because like that, that's a level above. We're just talking about normal person but can do long division. <laughs> um, but there's terrible, horrible news uh, on Thursday the 18th, which is that today the Demon Headmaster finished. But it's Aww. okay. There's a new series coming in the autumn. Didn't rate it. Don't even remember it. Until then, I'll read the books. Boy, did I ever read the books. I enjoyed a sort of, like, twilight life in the following weeks of, like, sitting up in bed reading a chapter of Demon Headmaster every night and just really folding that into my psyche in a way I'm not sure you can do if you're any older than this. 
I, in fact, I actually suspect what I was actually engaging in was the general half-haunted feeling of a pubescent brain restructuring itself. Mm. And I just focused it on the demon headmaster. <laughs> like, I was taking the opportunity to feel extremely weird and enjoy it. I mean, you could have gone out and discovered girls or drink or drugs yes. at your age, but you discovered the demon headmaster exactly. instead. And that's why we, people like us, have turned out to be such well-adjusted individuals. I mean, <laughs> I think you may be honest. Like, I remember the... I remember the simple act of reading a few normal children's books as this really elevated, transcendent experience that, like, involved a lot of introspection and sort of really wallowing in an enjoyable sense of the isolated self, (laughs) which I can't point to anything in the books that supports any of that. Except... Did you ever read the third Demon Headmaster book? I couldn't. You know, probably. I just can't remember it. Tell me what it was about. It was weird and it was so and it was haunted and they did not adapt it for the tv series that's how weird it was that was the one in which everyone in their school suddenly gets obsessed with a tv program called ape exclamation mark and it's just this ape coming on the screen and going like hello children i'm hypnotizing you because i'm really the demon headmaster how did that man keep getting work (laughs) And I suppose the easy answer is he hypnotized people. He hypnotized people. Me. His powers worked on everybody, right? It wasn't just that children I don't children know, but were, remember, you know. though, he didn't keep getting work because he was only a headmaster in the first one. They never hired him again to be a headmaster. No, no, but, but then he went on to work and become the head of a computer he went on company to, and work right, in television. Right, so the head of a computer company, that's just, like, he was just an entrepreneur there. The the TV company, I don't know, you can you can produce a... You don't need a resume to make a TV series if it's got hypnotism. Not back then. Not if you, <laughs> no. Not if breakfast cereals... No, exactly! <laughs> but also, if it's got hypnotism in it, that presumably helps. And no, I think it's originally it's about... Oh, it's originally about this pig, and they all obsess over that. But then, suddenly this ape shows up and, like, shoves that pig out of the show, and now it's all about ape. What are you guys talking about? Oh gosh, I do not remember I'm going to reread it. It, no, it really no. spoke to me. <laughs> anyway, that's all for the diary. That's plenty from the Diary Zone. But what a shame that we stop on the 19th, because the very next entry is a sonic milestone for me that you are really going to be able to get on board with, Chris. So that is for next time. Next time <laughs> to take the place of whatever sh- pin up they stick in the next one. <laughs> nice chap. Fucking nice chap. <laughs> All the things. I love it, though. I love that we both know it and loved it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's just one of those things that comes up on this show sometimes yeah. that just proves... This show could not be made by two other people together, like, you know. Yes. Quite right. <laughs> yeah. Just a madbird. Just a pain Have we seen this ad on the back of the pinup? Before? I think I feel like we, we might have done, but all, all these Lego Technic ads yeah. seem very similar. I, I remember all this techno functional. I think we have, yes. I'm pretty sure we have. If we haven't, it, we've seen something very like it. It's an ad for Technic. I tell you what, though. What though? We have seen in a couple of ads for Lego Technic and the uh, the old Technic Club and everything, and I don't ever remember copping on to the fact that the name of the uh, magazine that you yes. got if you signed up, it's called Tech Torque, and uh, I don't ever seem to remember flagging up that that was a pun. No, well you wouldn't with your erotic R's over there because it doesn't work for me. Yes. Tech Torque, you got you got to say yes. it with an accent. It's got to be Tech, tech Talk, Tech Talk. Because you're talking about technique, aren't you? You are. And is talk, Q-U-E, is that a pun to do with 
building thing? Yeah, yeah. No, torque torque is just, you know, the, 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 the torque of a... What's the technical definition of torque? It's a mechanical term. I'm looking. Yeah, no. Up. So it is. So it's to do with the mechanical functioning yeah, yeah, but now of. Now I things. have to be able to tell you what it is. I'm having a loo break. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want a, a full definition of what torque is when I get back. It's going to be about three words. <laughs> Editor Sam here. Dave usually does take a, what he terms a loo break part of the way through each episode, and when I get the episodes from him, the first thing I normally do is find the loop break and cut it out because it's an easy big chunk of, of audio, normally about five minutes that I can just kill right away. So I don't have context for this. This is the first thing in the entire episode that I'm actually listening to. All I know is that Chris was going to tell Dave what Torque was, and I was assuming that was like a character in something because it sounds like a character's, you know, a 90s character's name. And then I come back and I found out that Torque is twisting force. <laughs> oh, thank you. It sure is, Dave. So it's a hilarious pun that, Hooray. once again, only works if you've got a Brit accent. Yeah, sorry about that. I feel excluded. Yeah. Racism! Yeah, I mean, what they've done there is they've tried to just exclude the artists, and they've gone a step too far and have excluded you as well. Torque. Tech torque. <laughs> Do you know, uh, the worst name that I've ever heard an American have is Rourke. That Rourke. You don't... Be an American and call your kid Rourke. First name. As understand. a first name? First name. I can understand it as a last name. It sounds like a last name. Well, the one that I first... When I first heard the name, it was not only a first name, but it was like a, a little boy. Or maybe a baby boy. And... It, ooh, no. Ooh. Rourke. 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 Hey, Rourke. Rourke. Hey, Rourke. Come back, Rourke. Uh, Rourke. Yeah, Sorry, well, Sam. <laughs> don't test me. I make a living talking like you. They'd say Rourke. And I'd say Rourke. Yeah. But you'd say Rourke. Yeah, Rourke. I've got no problem. I don't have to Rourke worry about that. Rourke isn't so bad with an American accent, I don't think. What's not? Rourke. 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 Versus Rourke. 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 I don't have to worry about. I don't have to worry about the second half. Should we go for a walk, Rourke, and then have a talk afterwards? I don't have to worry about the second half, Rourke. It's easy, Rourke, like a hawk. Rourke, like a hawk. We go for a walk and have a talk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but you know, Rourke gets to go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> does. Different things. Whereas I would say Rourke goes for a walk. Ah, uh, it's isn't language fun. <laughs> Knuckles. <laughs> Knuckles. 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 The Graveyard, Part 1. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Eleanor Fell. To replace the destroyed Master Emerald, Knuckles ventures to the floating island's Emerald Mine. The mine is in an area he never usually goes to because it's home to the Kohenyu Graveyard, where the bones of an extinct species of dinosaurs reside, which legend claims is haunted by their vengeful spirits. After a stumble, Knuckles takes a face full of poison from a dryalid plant, but that's not the worst of his troubles, as the legend soon proved true and the bones of the Kohenyu begin to rise from the sand to claim vengeance on the echidnas who killed them. Yeah, this is dead good. This does not need to go so hard. <laughs> this is so cool. This is really, really cool. And the majority of this really cool strip is just a man walking about in a desert. 
Hey, he's not just a man, as we all know, because if he was just a man, he wouldn't have been interested in him. He's the little man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, once again, I'm struck with the feeling that yeah. this story is thought of as one of the iconic Kitching and Dobbin Knuckles team-ups. I would agree hear with people that. talking about the dinosaur ghosts. No, in, in my head it is yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's only the second one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got to say I'm surprised we're here already. I sort of thought that what it was was that there was an epic quest across all of the floating island and at some point this was the point at which he was at his most exhausted. He's at his lowest here. He's dragging himself across this desert. He's been walking for months and months and then this slightly hallucinatory thing happens to him. But no, we're, we're straight okay, there. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you actually the way yeah. you described it there as slightly hallucinatory because yeah. I didn't remember that element of the story when I got into this. The weird stuff only starts to happen after he yeah. takes a slip off the edge of a cliff. He can't glide. There's no zoom tube. So he's had to come here on foot and he's had to, he's literally having to climb down the cliff, knuckle over knuckle. But there's a rock fall, knocks him to the bottom. His, uh, his, the gas mask he's wearing, the shawl, this little cape thing is because of sandstorms hmm. and stuff. So he's just dressed up protectively for the environment he's in. His rebreather gets knocked off in the fall and he winds up next to a cactus looking plant that squirts a load of poison in his face. And it's only after that mm. that things get weird. Yeah. Now, I remember the story about the dinosaur ghosts. Which I took completely seriously at the time and just thought yes. was happening. I'm quite surprised at how conspicuous it is yeah, that it kicks right? off at the point that odd spores go up his nose. It only happens after he takes a fistful of funky dust. The very next thing that happens, he's going like, Ugh, I can't breathe the poison. And then this voice starts up. Murderer, you killed us. Killed us all. And it, and he's kind of going, no, I didn't. And even something about the camera angle there seems hallucinogenic, doesn't it? Yeah, the, 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 he's shielding his eyes as he looks up into the sky and the light of the sun. Like, you can see it. You can, you can hear it almost. Mm. The cinematic heat buzz as 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 he looks up into the sky and the sun blinds him and the world blurs and buzzes around him you know i had no memory mm. but, well i mean the story doesn't this chapter no. doesn't even push the idea at all no. so i'm going to be fascinated to read the next couple of these and see yeah. is the intent of this that this may or may not even be happening yes, it, is this yeah. it, what's the i'm fascinated i'm yeah. fascinated by this i thought this happened and now i think it doesn't yeah and that is a total reversal of the meaning of the story. Um, we all know what level of innocent I was at the time. Apparently, I wouldn't even have got the reference to someone being drugged by a natural flower spitting poison. <laughs> so anyway, what happens is, I just wrote about the bones there, but the 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 big glowing green disembodied head yes. of a... It's a Styracosaurus-looking dinosaur. Which, and they've used the sort of, the plate bit at the back of its head to make it look very Wizard of Oz in that first bit. Battle. Yeah, yeah. Because he had a knobbly head. And the and, and the way the spikes fan out to create this sort of halo, you know. It's, mm. it, it's I mean, it's just a dinosaur's head, but they've just positioned it and angled it yeah. and used it in such a way to make it seem, and, and the fact that it's green and glowing and floating. But that's just a great, you know, synthesis of idea and realisation of the art, you know. It calls itself the spirit of the herd and says it speaks for the Kohenyu. Mm. Your sort are not welcome here. What brings you, murderer? And, uh... You know, Knuckles tries to explain what he's doing here. The Master Emerald's been destroyed, so he needs a new emerald. But he, but he, he does talk about how, oh, I can't clear my head. Poison's doing something weird. 
I really can't get over what a different experience reading this was compared to reading as a child and how yeah. I have always remembered it for 25 yeah. years. I had no memory of this component of the story whatsoever, and it casts the whole thing in a light I never saw it in before. One of yeah. the most transformative reading experiences <laughs> of a strip I've yet had on this podcast. Because yeah. it's not like I remember everything perfectly, you know? There's no, plenty sure. of surprises and things where I've been overcome by how cool something was or how much mm-hmm. I've enjoyed something more as an adult that I may not have enjoyed as a kid. But this is on another level. I've yeah. never f- had a work change so much in the reading uh, as this. Mm. And and also, it's so f***ing metal, dude. <laughs> The last page of the strip is another full-page splash as the dinosaur skeletons start standing up as the giant glowing dinosaur head screams, Now it is time for you to make amends for your sins. The herd rises. And rise they do. They drag themselves up out of the sand with it all pouring off them. Pouring out of the holes in their bones. Oh, it's so cool. And what it does, it speaks to the, uh, you know, okay, we're a couple of years in now, but we still have some lingering Jurassic Park feelings in ourselves. Hell yeah. Although, I've got to admit, by this time, I wasn't so interested in dinosaurs. I don't think the dinosaur bug really bit me the way it did some other kids. Literally all children ever go through a phase of being into dinosaurs, you know? That's the thing. My dinosaur phase was, like, long before Jurassic Park, so I'd already got that out of my system. I'd definitely already been into dinosaurs before Jurassic Park, but dinosaurs. Brilliant. (laughs) But not quite as cool as dinosaur skeleton ghosts. Dinosaur (laughs) skeleton ghosts. Exactly. I think that's really all I have to say about this one, because it's, it's such a... You don't read this strip, you experience it. (laughs) it goes so hard man and because little actually happens in this issue like i said the first three pages are just knuckles exploring the desert that's true and that's when he gets squirted and that's when the ghosts start so again kind of like with the sonic strip this issue it's all about what happens next time yeah kind of but still like thrilling and beautiful Mm. to look at as well yeah i am gonna look so forward to seeing exactly what like i remember the ultimate outcome of this is but as to what actually happens in between Mm. and as to whether the story reaches an end and if there is any air of ambiguity left about whether it was all real or not if that's going to flow on through this i'm absolutely fascinated and really eager to finding out that that, yeah, yeah that feels like a kind of more advanced that's a bit of a silly way to say this but a sort of more advanced storytelling technique right. than i'm used to getting out of this comic <laughs> yeah like that question of whether the story is even real or not yeah that's some good stuff and uh i'm really yeah what's it next issue sins of the father Ooh, big sinister title like obviously what's happened here is that these critters have been hunted to extinction yes. by the echidnas and uh, it's not the first time we've ever had dinosaurs wanting to rise from the dead to reclaim the world of man uh, in Sonic the Comic. Remember it happened in the Oh, in Sonic the Wonder Comic. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about the time it happened to us when we were yeah. recording that episode you know, last, last year. last Thursday. Yeah. That was a bother. Remember that? <laughs> Do you remember that time those dinosaur ghosts rose up <laughs> and tried to... But know... it wasn't very interesting, so I cut it all. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was referring to the second Wonder Boy cereal. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yes. Plus, it's going to fill in some more ancient echidna stuff as well. So I'm mm. going to be very interested to see what kind of depiction it gives to the ancient echidnas. Because we've already noted, like, you know, with the, the depiction of the Megapolis City in the previous cereal, about how well this stuff maps onto what the adventure game would ultimately do. Mm, so again, yeah. very interested to see how that unfolds yeah. as well. And right away... I'm starting to realize, like, maybe why this is so well remembered as a two Nigel's knuckle story. And, mm -hmm. um, God, yeah, I'm excited about the future of this one. Q Okay, we've got a double-page special Q-Zone, and once again, as with much of the Q-Zone, haven't really... Have I even glanced over this? No, I haven't read this. Sorry, Chris. It's alright, I barely did either. Yeah, it is a Batman Forever on the Mega Drive special. Regrettably, it is also part one. It, it, yes, it is. This is because Batman Forever will have come out, I suppose. What, what year was that? Just the past year, just six months ago, yeah. Batman Forever, you know... I remember, I remember, I remember. I've, Back in I've day. lived through a time when Batman Forever was maligned as the film that started the ruination of the Batman franchise and, you know, of course, Batman and Robin more so and, and it all collapsed then. But um, over lockdown in 2020, we decided to watch them all expecting that Batman Returns would be the highlight. And it was Batman Forever. That was my favourite of the four. I have always stood up for Batman Forever. <laughs> my big beef with Batman Forever was always its depiction of Two Face. Sure, because it was it was falling yeah. back into the it was old just Joker, Adam wasn't West it? style manicures. It was, and you know, having me personally, having only just been introduced to Two Face mm. within living memory mm. in the Batman animated series, and what a fantastic mm. depiction of the character that cartoon is, to then just have it be Tommy Lee Jones leaping and whooping yeah. around. I mean, the thing that always got me was there's that scene in Batman Forever where he sits in the... They do their big attack on Wayne Manor and he just sits in the chair and flips the coin till he gets the result he wants. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, you f***ed up there. That's not Two-Face. Yeah, I cannot sanction his buffoonery. I still don't know if that story's true, but you want to believe it's true, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I've always generally stood up for Batman Forever, although I do think the director's cut would be interesting oh, yeah. to see if they would ever make it. Yeah. Then there was also a game. It was a game, and presumably you do a bit of walking about and punching. Um... This isn't even one of their usual guides where they just go through level by level, because it even starts by saying, instead yeah. of taking you through each level, the Q-Zone provides you help on the trickiest bits. Bit. So we get a, a guide to the third yeah. level, because it's a timed level where you have to go through in a certain path. And they tell you about the uh, the weapons, the best weapons to use, sure. and give you some yeah. tips, some top tips. Climb up ladder. Carefully select who you want to play as. It, it, I did look at this bit, and then I was like, I am out. I can't read this, and I'm leaving. <laughs> and it was this section. Fight Bowtie and Carthwee. Head right to find Black and Red Hood. Then go left to see Bioman and Nardo. Next, go up and right to find Reckless. Climb up the ladder, now go up and right and then down to see Ringo. Go up and left to find Puddles and Muddles. Well, out of all of them, I've only heard of Ringo, and it's the wrong one. <laughs> uh, they also mentioned patches and heist and larceny. Yeah. They use those words like they mean anything. <laughs> like those are really the names of anything. When they're just the generic names that you know appear over the enemy's health bar up in the corner or something like that you know <laughs> right, that's yeah. all they are it's the name oh so they're not they're not from batman there is a red hood mm. but that's not a reference to that mm. red hood because he wouldn't have any great significance beyond an old uh golden age maybe no, still a very old right. story until into the 2000s okay. um actually 
I'm pretty sure that what Chris is referring to here is ex-Robin Jason Todd coming back from the dead to take the mantle of the vigilante Red Hood in 2005, and the name having previously been applied to Joker's alter ego before he became the Joker. And while that does date back to the 50s, it also was reused in 1988's The Killing Joke, which is probably the most famous Batman story ever told. And well, even then, it could be a coincidence. There are some other names in the mooks, like Black Mask. Uh, there's a few others I can think of. I don't think it's quite as open and shut that there was no intent of reference, but it could just be a coincidence. The game is terrible anyway, and I know way too much about it for how terrible it is. Back to you guys. Those are just words. That's the biggest amount of uh, discussion material this yep. Q-Zone provides. Yeah. To make Batman or Robin fly, press diagonal up. It's reduced to telling you the controls of the game. That's, if you uh, want to go down a platform, to. you hold down C and press down. It'll tell you that in the manual. And there's still going to be a second part next issue somehow. Carefully select who to play as. Yep. Brackets, pick the character that suits you best. Thanks. All right, I will. Good top Never tip. Never would have guessed. Sonic's World. Brute Force. Part 1. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Don D. Cox, letters by Steve Potter. Commander Brutus leads a raid on the River City Zone, taking a token amount of prisoners back to the Metropolis Zone while secreting most of the captives at a secret location. He then visits Grimer in his lab to collect portable brain scanners that he's requested the scientists build for him, which will allow him to absorb the brain patterns of others. Brutus then stuns Grimer with a turn on the catwalk <laughs> and makes him the scanner's first victim, copying his scientific knowledge, enabling the scheming rebellious Brutus to turn his prisoners into a personal army of badniks loyal only to him. And yes. <laughs> you don't sit there and tell me you weren't ready for some more Brutus immediately. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. It really, is, it really cements him as one of the characters from STC now. You know what I mean? He wasn't just from that story, and he wasn't just from that story. He's in STC. I mean, and the thing is, this isn't even a story with Brutus in it. This is a Brutus strip. Oh yeah, I never thought of that. It's a Brutus strip. He's the protagonist yeah. of this. See, and I, I remembered this story just that it existed. Yeah. But I remembered it as Johnny Lightfoot's strip. He so does come into did. it later. But I remembered him as the protagonist. So to read this first part and say, no, yeah. Brutus is the lead <laughs> character in this strip. I'm like... Feed it to me with a spoon, Luke. <laughs> yeah. So what does Brutus do in this one that's cool? What does Brutus do in this one that's cool? Well, here's a thing that he does that's cool. He starts to do a plan that doesn't seem to make sense. He goes, Good work, troopers. Now separate the prisoners into two groups. Two groups, Commander. Why? And in response to that, perfectly reasonable question, Brutus just blasts him to smithereens. He just whips round. Never question my orders! And he's in bits. And he says to the uh, the other troopers, Any further questions? Uh, nope. We prefer to obey orders. Good. <laughs> Blasts him, we should say. Oh, yeah. With his gun arm. He's a Samus now because his arm got cut off or whatever in the last one. And now he's just got a big gun yeah. for arm. And it, now it's a... But don't imagine, as I did when Chris forewarned me of this, 
that it's a Samus style like tube based gun arm. No, it's a it's a zapping one. So he's kind of got like imagine a imagine a pirate's hook hand, except instead it's a little antenna. It's a little antenna that he's got on the end of it. Now I think um Elson drew it as a dish oh. with a little antenna in it. Like there was an antenna because we only really saw it in one panel. Yeah. But he drew it as if it was like a little satellite dish on the end of his wrist. Did we were... even see it? Oh, I didn't remember we even saw it. Was that last issue? Uh it was in the last part of the last, the last Bruce Bruce strip, yeah. which is what two two yes, issues yes. ago, but yeah. We did, yeah. It was. Uh, um, I, I grant you, you maybe couldn't tell right away because, like, as I said, it looked kind of like a satellite yeah. dish. It's got the antenna in that panel, the way Elson draws it, but there's like a mm. bowl surrounding it. Whereas here, it's just, uh, it's just like, yeah, like you said, it's like a little pirate circle, like a little, a little pokey outy. Yes. So Brutus takes these few prisoners back to the Metropolis Zone, and we get him in the uh, in the office. By the way, isn't Carl Flint drawing a nice Brutus? He is. I mean, nobody's going to draw Brutus like a like Richard yeah. Elson, but. Brutus, he got them today's though, don't he? <laughs> I suppose he do. Yeah, he's Carl's drawing it, and he's loving drawing it. He's got a big grouchy, grumpy face on him, and he's got yeah, all sorts of shapes coming out the front of him. <laughs> yeah, the, the low polygon boob, yeah. jutting out massively. He did that before Lara did. He copied <laughs> his whole thing. So Brutus takes this small group of prisoners back to the Metropolis and on his own anyway, and uh, Robotnik congratulates him you know but he says i expected you to capture more residents than you did i'm still new to this sir next time you are programmed with a copy of my superior brainwaves you'll soon learn and he puts his arm around his shoulder makes a big cheery face hey me old mate yeah making you my second in command was an act of sheer brilliance you now have the intelligence and power to crush all who stand in your way yes doctor and I intend to do just that. And he looks over down at Robotnik's looking away at this point, and Brutus just looks at Robotnik as he says that. <laughs> great stuff, great stuff, great stuff. Brilliant. I love how pally Robotnik's being with him at this point. He's proper proud of him now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, he's got it's the brother he never had, you know. Yeah. Well, is he a brother? Is he a son? What is he, you know, exactly? Yeah. But it's like he he recognizes his own greatness reflected in <laughs> Brutus, if you will. Because mm, yeah. that's the only reason Robotnik would ever be pally with anybody. That would have been a very good visual image that they should have done in the art, because of course he's gleaming, isn't Ooh, he? They should have at some yeah. point, yeah. With just like him looking at his face and seeing Robotnik, like, yeah, only Elson could truly have pulled it off. <laughs> yeah. But it would yeah. be a great. Oh, who knows? Maybe they'll do something yeah. like that. Yeah, you know, there's lots of stuff Maybe. to come. And I say that, and it's not to demean Flint in any way, though, because sure. doesn't Flint draw a tremendous Grimer? This is one of those. There are some strips and stories in this comic where they mismatch the art to the content, but then you put him on something like this, and it's like, you no, know, this is what Carl is for. He's I'm loving this. This looks great. There's, I don't know what it is about it, but it just fits what he's doing. It just goes with what it is. I think this could be the single best rendition of Grimer outside of Richard Elson so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Casanova, Stuart Great Grimer. Beautiful. Oh, so Grimer. he did. Yeah, that's right. Probably a bit too beautiful. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> yes, I'd forgot because his style is so different that I'd... I wasn't picturing yeah. it at all, so I'd forgotten that he did did one. I, but then, like conversely, like Corona took a bit to get to grips with Grimer. Yeah, but 
there's something about this where Flint has just really captured Elson's touch with mm. the character and the the grotesqueness of his big squished all the folds and, and bits and wrinkles and the little hairs just blinking off his scalp there in the close-up in the last panel. Yeah. Oh, he looks like he'd be slimy if you touched him. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. He puts little touches in, doesn't he? Like um like the little the little ball of the antenna of the head thing going over his pupil and replacing it. Yeah. It's just all it is is Grimer's holding one of the one of the brain drainy things and the just one just a little dealy off the top of it with a ball on top goes in front of his eye and it just basically replaces his pupil in the angle of the drawing just because that's something Carl was having fun just with. Just for a bit of a laugh, yeah. And then on the next page, when Brutus does stun him with his with his blaster, he sets his hand to stun. He blasts Grimer with that and then puts the brain copying thing on his head. And I don't know if this was in the script, but I imagine it was Carl has just sort of put his hands up and put a little serene look on his face. I don't quite know what Grime is doing yeah. there, but he's just going through a little reverie as his brain is sucked out. Sort of, yeah, a little, a little blissed out yes. by the experience of having his brain copied, yeah. Um, uh, Brutus has an excuse for why he would want... I mean, I'd immediately get suspicious personally if, if the bloke who was created with the brain scan machine came in and said, would you please make me some more brain scan machines? <laughs> I would get suspicious because I've watched cartoons and read comics. Yes. Well, I guess Grimer is just too full of his own scientific thoughts. Well, he, he'd relish the opportunity to make him, you know, oh yeah, I could do that, no bother. It's probably nice to have somebody other than Robotnik come down and ask you to make stuff for them. Look at his hand! Look at Grimer's hand on the penultimate page. The where does Sonic hide, where are the Emerald Hill folk page. Look at his mm. hand. Oh, oh, whoopsie-doo. Whoops. Yeah, oops. whoops. Just spotted it, yeah. Yeah. He's got uh, one too many fingers, because he's doing a big finger, finger point up. and uh, Big finger lift, yeah. Something about where the finger connects to the hand. Uh, attracted my attention and it's because it doesn't he's got a full hand of other fingers and then this other finger oh well oops ah these things happen everybody was against the deadline yes that's the panel where brutus is offering his excuse for uh for why he wants brain scanners he says he wants to uh, the next time i capture sonic or one of his friends i can absorb a copy of their brain patterns and discover their secrets secrets where does sonic hide where are the emerald hill folk these devices will help me find out <laughs> a fiendish plan worthy of even dr robotnik must I always live in the shadow of Robotnik? What's that? That was a good line read there, Chris. That was good. <laughs> he spins around and zams him. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. You got very echoey. Well, I lent in a little bit. <laughs> That's probably all it was. Yeah. He is whispering to himself as he says that. You can almost miss it, but the, the outline of the panel... He means speech balloon. ...is dotted dots. Oh, gosh, so which, it is. as we know, is, uh, is classic comic book lingo to yeah. uh, imply a whisper. It is, although normally a, a longer dotted line than that is yes, what you Yes, that, that seems very mechanically generated, in fact, rather than you. <laughs> then does, yeah. zaps him, puts the scanner on, sucks the knowledge out his head. Now I share the same knowledge as Grimer. I can now build my own army of badniks, loyal only to me. And he's got a couple of great little flourishes from Carl there. The upturned brain scanning thing, which is just a metal hat, you know, has got all yeah. steam coming off it as if, but it's kind of, I don't know, gooey looking steam, I guess, because of those. It is, isn't it? Because of those yeah. extra tendrils that only go a certain way up. It looks like ghosts coming off. So those are his thoughts seeping up. And then in the final panel, he's actually hooked Grimer's lab coat on his little antenna hand and he's 
and sort of hoisting him up a little bit. As he raises his fist to the sky and the cape billows out behind him. Oh, now Carl gives us a good cape almost in every panel. Mm. Carl gives good cape. He does, and he's giving it with all capes blazing throughout this. It re- he really is doing full spawn cape, isn't yeah. he? I kind of really didn't. I almost didn't even notice, but yeah, you look just looking back over the pitch. It is. It really is. <laughs> just whipping and flourishing around him all the way throughout the thing. I think my favourite one is second panel, page two, where he's rounding on the troopers, and it really yes. swooshes round to give him this great m- movement, this great arc of movement. As if he is emerging out of his own cape. Yes. You know, the the cape swoops in a downward arc and then his body whips out of the top of the cape in an opposing arc of motion. It almost <sighs> gives him the look of like a snake suddenly whipping round to face the people mm. behind him and that's the trail of the, the movement that he faces. Oh, it's, it's lovely. You know, there is, like, we... <sighs> Brutus, good. Brutus, good. Brutus generally <laughs> Brutus seems to be so good. reliably good and you should bring him in if you want a good comic it turns out i would never <laughs> yeah. have guessed before the last few weeks of this you know i would have just thought oh yeah brutus that was just an idea yes i remember brutus he was pretty cool he was gold and could fly he fought supersonic yeah, that one time not sure i even remembered that he could fly or fought supersonic i just remembered him as a big gold trooper who was better than them so i wasn't really focusing on it being that exciting waiting for him to appear but now he's here Whoa! I love it. I mean, we've already had Stringer prove his chops with on the on the original character front. Yeah. Um, you know, with short, well, ju- not just with short yeah. fuse, but say with short fuse, even with Metamorphia, you yeah. know. Um, but like, where a short fuse is sort of like a character with an ongoing concept, because he's a superhero. You know, you have your inciting incident, your origin story, and then he will have adventures, and that's it. Yeah. Brutus, Brutus is a story he's telling. It's got a start, it's got a middle, and it's got an end. And we are now at the start of the middle, as it were. <laughs> and it's it's gripping stuff, honestly. Yeah. I am, you know, given like how brilliant the Knuckles was and how we find a whole new layer to explore in that Knuckles story as that goes forward, and how we've got the Return of Chaotix doing some of the most like significant callbacks and stuff that's deeply rooted in the whole reason we love this continuity in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then at the back end here, we've got... Lou Stringer exploring his own character's journey. And, oh God, it's good. It, it, this is a good comic, isn't it? It's just all right. It's fine, I suppose. It's grand. God, do you, do you ever just think about how brilliant Sonic the Comic I is? Do. And how I, great it is we're doing a podcast about it? I occasionally do think about you it. You wouldn't get this if you were just reading this comic on your own in your front room. No, you know? no, you wouldn't. No, I'm now firmly of the opinion that anyone who wants to read this comic should also listen to this podcast. Should listen to the show as well. (laughs) I know, right? Just get your enthusiasm pumped. Next issue, The Secret Army. Mm. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Knuckles. I'm looking forward to Sonic. What's the second? Decapitac. I guess Decapitac's there too. No harm to it or anything, but it does. It does. That's just, uh, and that's you know, to be, to be serious for a moment, does kind of feel like the odd one out right now. You know, whenever the Sonic content of this strip is three quarters of the comic and is firing on all cylinders across the yeah. board, the way it has been for the last little while, Decapitac. It's nice to have a strip that gives you a laugh in the middle, but it does make it feel like kind of the odd one out in a way it never was before. Spoilers. It's this, Chris. It's this. This is... It's this picture. This is my favourite picture anyone's ever, I don't know, drawn? 
Maybe. This would be the picture from Paul Barker from Barrow and Furnace. I've been giggling about this. I said a few days before, or the day before we recorded this one, I, I tweeted that it's the biggest laugh I've got from Speedlines, and Chris wasn't sure what I meant. And I don't know how, because look what this is. This is a drawing that's been drawn, committed to paper, sent into Speedlines, and then printed of Dr. Robotnik with his pants and trousers falling down. <laughs> All it is! That's it! That's the high concept of this picture. Dr. Robotnik, he's standing there, his face has gone blue. I don't don't know if he's cold or if. I don't know why. I think it's supposed to convey embarrassment. Yeah. But if you colored him red, he would would just blend in. Disappear into the top, so he's going with blue. The second stroke of genius. But then, his trousers. And his pants separately have fallen down. We can see this because the pants have amusingly got little daisies or flowers on them. It was that or hearts. Exactly. You know, that we watched cartoons. We knew what pants were supposed to have on them. The, the joke is always that you have to put some twee design on the man's pants when you see the man's pants. But you don't normally see them falling down as well, right? Because then you have to get around the obvious issue, which in this particular drawing is got around simply and easily by the hanging paunch of the gentleman in question. Yes, there's no little Eggman no, on display no. here. And he is thinking to himself, oops! So he's stood there, blue in the face. I wonder, I wonder. Like, <laughs> yeah. You see that green squiggle in the background? I do. There's a sort of, like, a kind of a zigzag running left to right behind him. What's that? Is that supposed to be a big fart? Oh! <gasps> You know, oh. in the sense that it might be a green stink line emanating out to either side of him. Has he done a fart? Has he done a Rudy? He's done such a Rudy that his trousers and pants have fallen down. Have been blown off. That's funnier. That's be- Is it? No. It is, in fact. Because because apparently I'm seven. I've changed my mind. No, I think it's as funny as can be, as is, because it's just... Robotnik's pants and trousers have fallen down. That is, that's, that's, that's the end of his career. <laughs> he's, he's not coming back from this. Anytime anyone, he, anytime he makes any statement, all the replies are just going to be like, oh, do, do, are your pants going to fall down about it? But like, now here's the thing. If someone nice's trousers fall down, that's not the end of their, yeah, their whole deal. Yeah, no, it's, right, it's yeah. if someone's whole career is being nasty. If their trousers fall down and their pants fall down, that's all they're ever hearing about again. This is weird looking at the down... Paul Barker of Barrow in Furnace, Cumbria, has defeated Dr. Robotnik. Soundly, <laughs> once and for all. And it's just the funniest... The I, What? That he thought of that? That he was like, I'm going to draw Dr. Robotnik with his pants and trousers falling down. He took that to its conclusion. He put that in an envelope. He went to his parent or guardian and got them to give him a stamp which he licked and put on an envelope, posted, probably got a lift to the... Because he looks quite young, probably got a lift to the post box, posted that off, it arrived in the offices of STC, and they printed it, and it's a picture of Robotnik's pants falling down. That's... They didn't just print it, though, Dave. They chose to run with it, because I love it over on the right-hand side. They've complimented it with a picture <laughs> from Stacey Lee of Wembley. Of prof- it's it's just copied from the decapitate yes. strip of Professor Stein. It's a, it's Professor Stein doing a wild, wild take. take off to uh, with his face pointed off towards the left and they have captioned it 
decaps Prof Frankenstein, horrified by robot knickers. Hey, yeah, and they have, a, yeah, they have aligned <laughs> it to specifically line up. They are having a lovely time in the office. As if to imply, Ro- Frankenstein's big shrieking face <laughs> was the sight of Robot Nick's flowery pants. Yes, or worse. Uh, the caption for the original picture, Dr. Robotnik drops another bloomer. <laughs> so, it's that they saw it, went, yes, yes, please, that is the content we want in our magazine, and they printed it deliberately. I, I love it. Have I even? I ha- I'm not sure I've read the rest of the speed lines. Uh, no, I have. It's just that I was <laughs> off on such a spinning flight of joy that I could barely tell what was going on. But there are others. Yes, uh, we got one here from Stephen Findler in Clayton. Who writes in, Dear Megadroid, Sonic the Hedgehog has fast become my hero, mainly because he gets up and fights back. I also fight back because I had meningitis and have been in and out of hospital for three years. And Megadroid replies with nary a joke in sight, all good and proper. You're a brave boomer, Steve. Just make sure those nurses have seen the last of you by staying fighting fit. And happy birthday from all of STC. Oh, they've got insider info we don't have. Yes, they didn't mention his birthday there, but I guess they edited the letter down. Well, that's lovely. I'm glad Stephen made it through okay. Yes. Yeah, change of gear then. Uh, This one, Nameless Zone. Dear Megadroid, I noticed from the data strip that there's no place to write my name and address. Hmm. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Oh, well, we noticed that. Listen, if we thought it was worth talking about... Oh, we did, did we? Then it makes sense that Stephanie Hillen from Whitehaven here thought it was worth writing a letter about. Especially if if Stephanie was doing a podcast at the time. Uh, I want to know why this is, as I'm really... Quite puzzled from Stephanie Hill and Whitehaven Cumbria. This is why I'm puzzled by her puzzlement, you see. Like, when we said it, we were thinking in terms of like, oh, well, wouldn't they want to... And then I think we realised like, oh no, there's no reason... What? Why well, they, does... I would have thought they would have wanted to know where, where around the country people were. Where from. around the country. Why is Stephanie Hillian interested in, like, why can't I write my name and address on this piece of paper? Well, I would imagine it's because it changed from the previous data strip. And like oh. you or I... When something changes, they want to know why. So it used to have that, didn't it? It did used to have it on the previous disease strip before they did the redesign. Right. Well, Megadroid replies, it could be a ploy to keep boomers mysterious. What will you do? Now your cover's been blown. No actual answer there. I mean, maybe it is a ploy to keep boomers mysterious. I suppose you don't necessarily want children writing in with their name Uh, and address. There's absolutely no reason why they should at all. There's just no reason. Like, all it is is a list of names of games and what people own and stuff like no because no i'll tell you why they've taken it off because it's market research it's market research but the thing is they'd have to kind of do it if they had the names and addresses on they would have to actually like file each one under a name and address and then so that if anyone sends in duplicate ones they can like nullify <laughs> that spreadsheet and compare yeah their tastes have changed over the years they don't care i'd be amazed if anyone's reading the data strips anyone sends in even more amazed than if oh. anyone was sending them in well at this point probably because you know they are offering the, the entry to suggest what sega game you'd like to see made a strip mm. uh, is still there but yeah. that's not going to be a concern in a couple of months time so <laughs> Last one here. Pete pipes up. Speaking of people sharing their opinions, <laughs> sending them into the comic. Dear Megadroid, I liked your comic before you raised mm. the price to one twenty, and before Sonic turned into a blue smarty pants. Oh, he preferred it in the first half of issue eight. <laughs> <laughs> I would also like to add that STC does not look any better since the redesign. Oh. In fact, it's going downhill rapidly. So do something about it now. 
That's oh. from Peter Hurd in Abbey Mead. And Megadroid replies, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Peter, you should be seen and not heard. Really sing to that kid, Megadroid. I don't know how his career is going <laughs> to recover from that one. It's like his pants have fallen down. <laughs> but to address his points, right? The price raise, fair, right? Fair criticism, that's fine. We get why it happened, but it's fair. What does he mean here? At what point does he think Sonic turned into a blue smarty pants? That's, I don't know, yeah. Sonic hasn't changed. No, anyway. there's some cutoff point at which he decided... If anything, that... Sonic's got better than he used to be, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Because you don't see artists posting panels from past issue 30-something no, to illustrate no, no. his dickishness. That's how you know it got better. <laughs> so I don't know what his problem is there. And then the redesign, yeah, I kind of agree. Oh, come on, the redesign's I better. prefer the original design. I do. Nah. Sorry. I'm so afraid I just do. Like, it was. It had more going on. They fit it. I mean, look at this page. It's just white and it's got three letters on it. They used to have, like, five of them and it was all funny colours. They stopped having that many letters about three issues in. That's an exaggeration, but it was very early on. Yeah, all right, true. And also, to be fair... One of the things with the redesign is we have to experience it in an era where a lot of the features and consistency of the comic, where it would have been most illustrated, aren't here half the time. Yeah. You know, what What would the issue have looked like where there was a review zone mm. every issue and a news zone every issue and a queue zone That's every true. issue? Uh, whereas now we just get a graphic zone, which is other people's art and it doesn't matter yeah. anymore, you know? I mean, I don't think the review zone... The queue zone hasn't changed in appearance that much. It's still... It's so boring to even look at. <laughs> it just had a purple spirally background before. Yeah. This is the mid nineties now. Everything is angular and pointier and more extreme instead of those cheapo pixel effects that swirled around in the background. That is the true. Zone they weren't the great, day. were Although they? Although they were brightly coloured. They were interesting. And I do always enjoy a bright colour. Oh, we have, so we're leaving behind the Yikes pencils era and we're entering the white painted walls era. The the stark blank kitchen look the neoclassic era yeah. yeah anything in our mailbag today Dave? yes there's a couple of things let's kick off with a voice recording we've got from steve Ooh. from the play your pods right podcast hey guys first of all just want to say thank you for all the entertainment you provide for the last six months or so whilst i've been getting caught up as well as following the newer episodes first of all wanted to say that i don't remember when i started or finished reading Sonic the comic but something that you brought up definitely dislodged a memory chip in my brain as i definitely gave the Sonic the Comic Valentine's card to my primary school crush. Hey! Oh! So... How did it go? That was definitely an issue that I had. <laughs> issue in more sense. Than <laughs> yeah, does he mean of the comic? Yeah. I only remember little <laughs> things. Like I definitely remember Chaotix. And I foolishly thought Espio was a girl because I followed the idea of uh, they're pinkish, so they must be a girl. However, yeah. I should have known, didn't have a bow, so can't have been a girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's that. Also, Black Mark Against Me is I am a philistine I am a defacer I am a comic cutter oh. we had a scrapbook that we would keep all oh. the Q zones in because we would rent the Beavis and Butthead game a lot and also Batman Forever and they would definitely walk through <laughs> in the Forever. Q zone at some point yes they were and we would go back to that scrapbook I'm really sorry guys if this means you somehow cut my feed so that I can never listen to the podcast again I completely understand <laughs> and your reasons are completely justified 
Take care, guys. All the best. Keep it up. Right. Well, let's see what's on the back of the Q zone. Brilliant spot of timing. Wasn't to have it? it be in this this yeah. very Q zone. On, okay. On the on one side is just the Shredhead and Shredless Wonder Marmalade advert. That's not yeah. a problem. Let's but, see what's on the other side. No. I'm sure it's fine. It's mm. the Kohenyu rising from their grave in one of the coolest panels of Knuckles ever. Not okay, Steve. Yeah. Criminal. Criminal. Not offense. all right. But thanks very much for your message all the same. <laughs> thanks for writing in. I'm going to have to just let you off, but... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, are you aware... The the Kahenyu appeared again after STC. No. I don't think they were the same, and I don't think they were even dinosaurs, but Nigel Kitching used the name Kohenyu for a strip in 2000 AD illustrated by Richard Elson. Nice. Yeah, and I don't know anything more about it because I haven't read it. No, but it's just nice to spot stuff like that, isn't it? It was called Ahab, but with dots between the letters, and so you already know. Oh, okay, so it was the Kohenyu, the Moby Dick yes. substitute, and it was the thing, that the robot that stood for... Automated hunting automaton bastard. bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that might be what it is. I don't think he would have used automatic and automaton <laughs> in the same anagram. Acrostic <laughs> whatever. Settle down. Right, we've got a letter here from we've got a letter here from Mike who says, Hi guys, listening to episode sixty-six, not only am I up to date, but I had a modular hamster cage with the plastic tubes, etc. They were crap. <laughs> most, most specifically, they just weren't secure enough for the average enterprising escape hungry hamster, so they were the cause of much ire for my mother, who would inevitably be the one who had to recapture the hamster. Of course. That's what mums are for. In regards to them as pets. I don't even remember their names. Oh, I was going to ask what your personality was, My how you would have described your hamster. hamster. I have fond memories of rabbits, cats, dogs, fish, and various other creatures. Oh, I'm, I'm starting to see why. This is someone who was inundated with pets. I remember all my pets' names, so that's because there were two, you know. Um, but I mostly remember hamsters just being there, although pleasantly fluffy. In mm. short, hamsters are living furniture. They're not the most interactive of pets. <laughs> And also, Choo Choo Rocket is utter nonsense, but can be made into a rather destructive drinking game. Worst hangover of my life. Merry Christmas and all that, Mike. <laughs> and a Happy New Year to you, Mike. Happy New Year. I'm going to read one this time. I never do this. This is thrilling. This one's from Alistair. Dear Dave and Chris, hello again, humes who think they're in charge. It's been a while since I last wrote into STCTP, and this message is actually a little bit belated in its own right. I wanted to get in touch to praise your Patreon interview with James Wallace. Oh, that's not that belated. No, that that's seems very like just yesterday to you and me. Which was very enjoyable and informative. Mr. Wallace had some great stories to tell. The two of you asked some great questions and together you painted a really vivid picture of pop culture fandom in the early 1990s. Well, well. that's our job on this show, isn't it? As I mentioned in my first email to you way back whenever that was, I don't remember uh, when sorry, it was yeah. either. I am a bit too young to have read the Martin Adams novels when they were new, and I've really enjoyed your read-throughs, and getting some behind-the-scenes insight really has been the cherry on the top. Not really expecting this to be read out on the show. Haha, <laughs> well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> but I just listened to the interview for a second time, and was impressed enough that I felt like I had to let you know. As always, still loving the show, and looking forward to everything to come. Thanks again. Kind regards, Alistair. Alistair. Thank you very Thank much, you, Alistair. Alistair. And that 
should be everyone out there's incentive to go and check out the Patreon and get a look at that interview because I was very happy with how that yes, came out. Yes, it's good. Yes, Alistair there thinks that this isn't the sort of email that we like to read out, but no, it's the sort that makes people want to join our Patreon, so more than happy to <laughs> air that one. And there's a little tip. No, we're constantly making like references oh, yeah. and, and callbacks to stuff that we do over on the Patreon and not, not really realising it on the show No, because we have fun know. over on the Patreon, that's the thing, it's a good life. Because we do have fun. Well, you have fun and I... <laughs> I, 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 your I, I sit there and listen. <laughs> yes, that's right, yes. <laughs> that does I don't like I, I always feel like I'm advertising the Patreon. If you like to listen to Chris suffer, go and pay your two bucks. Yeah. That's more or less what it is when it comes to the end of Mobius. Uh, half of it, yeah. The end of Mobius is uh, always an yeah, experience. I think that's the draw. And we've got one final letter in our mailbox this fortnight, and we'll be telling you how to put your letter in there in just a moment. Dear Chris and Dave. I'm writing to you from the past. Ooh, that's where this podcast's from. Yes, although I guess he says that's always the case with any correspondence when you think about it. But allow me to explain. In June, my mum sold her house and returned to me every remaining issue of STC that I had as a kid. Yes. That I thought were lost. Yes! Oh, that's so good when that happens. Upon sharing a picture of the greatest comic of all time on Twitter, I came across this incredible podcast. I knew Chris from my days when I was an insatiable Transformers fan. Uh, No longer, apparently, thanks to the works of Chris. (laughs) But it's been an absolute blast listening to and getting to know you both via the podcast in the intervening months. Currently, I'm making my way through issue 46, and while I was going to wait until I was caught up to drop you guys a line, I thought there was no time like the present, or the past, to give you a shout and tell you what a fantastic show you have. There's nothing quite quite like cracking open my physical though well-worn copies Mm -hmm. putting you guys on and reliving 90s pop culture feeling naughty reading streets of rage (laughs) and engaging in the best sonic fiction there ever was you feel even you feel even naughty reading this one somebody's pants come down (laughs) hope all is well in the far-flung issues in the 60s hopefully i'll be catching up soon keep up the great work dan the mega driver (laughs) (laughs) p.s i co-host a retro sega podcast called the sega guys and our episodes go out on radio sega every monday at 6 p.m all right lovely radio sega we were on radio sega at one point weren't we i think we were I think we did an interview on there once, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Anyway, that's just exactly what you were saying earlier on. There's no better way to go back and reread this comic mm-hmm. than with us in your ears at the same time. Well, I don't know about the same time, but but yes. adjacent to us yes. in your ears. It's up to you. You can we, we section it out nicely, so you can always pause it and then read the next bit and then yeah, pause it. Pause, read, pause, read, pause, yeah, read. It's up to you, however you want to do it. Probably do have to set an afternoon aside to get through it that way, but... <laughs> But you couldn't possibly recapture the sensation of being oh. a child any more than no. on a Saturday, exactly. sitting down and just setting your time aside to get into it. It just would happen to be, you know, uh, three hours instead of uh, the half hour that it is to take you to retest. You see? Well, what you can do is you put an old, get onto YouTube, put an old episode of the chart show on, right? Because by that time, the kids' programs are finished. So that's when you read your comics. So you put your chart show on, that's on in the background. Episode of movies, games, and videos you can find one. And <laughs> movies, games, and videos. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's when you read the comic, and then you head off and you do your grown-up chores. But you listen to the podcast while you do them, so it, it dulls the choreness of them a bit. Anyway, if you would like to appear in our Speedlines mailbag, then you need to write in or send a recording to stctpodcast at gmail.com. Get it right, stctpodcast at gmail.com. Next issue: more STC. K- Kip. 
Us. Yeah, yeah, because I guess we got more Batman. We're going to lead with the Batman again. The <laughs> the the image <laughs> for the next issue page is a dog <laughs> low poly <laughs> image of what is supposed to be the Batman low the bat signal yes. up in the sky with Sonic's head on it. Yes, just instead of the ears of the bat signal, it's Sonic's whole head. I don't know. So, listen, I love this comic, right? Yeah. But sometimes the decisions it makes on how it promotes its next issues and and what it then chooses to put on the cover of those issues once they come out makes me so mad. What are you picking for the cover of the next issue? Because I know what I'm putting on there. Well, it's got to be the, the Sonic stuff. It's Dr. Kinterbor with Sonic going, oh, and a thing saying... How is he back? Or something like that, you know? That's what you're putting on the cover. I know that that doesn't sell comics to anyone any younger than us. Yes, I so, mean, Okay, I get it. I'll be fair and say that I don't know that necessarily Kintobor himself on the cover is the grab. But you've got to do a cover that illustrates what actually goes on in the Sonic story. Now, this, this is quite a nice cover. But how sick a cover would this be if it was Knuckles with a bunch of dinosaur yes. ghost skeletons? Yeah. Instead of just Knuckles, you know? It's frustrating because it's like it... This comic winds up having the covers you would put on a magazine. Like yeah. abstract images almost, jokey pictures, posters. Um, something I noticed about this dog <laughs> polygonal Sonic version of the Bat logo, he's got a perfectly respectable number of polygons on his little nose. Look at that. Lovely rounded little nose. Yeah. I suppose it's because they could draw it with the oval tool. No, uh, maybe. Everything else looks like it was cut out with the big scissors. <laughs> cut out with the big <laughs> Well, because it's got some sharp angles, so it wasn't done with the little scissors, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then, because the thing about the bat single is, it is projected onto clouds. So they had, to, <laughs> they had to have some clouds, and they've put two little puffs of gas in front of it. Two little farty clouds hanging about in front of this bat logo, and then a wisp. So I don't know what the bat logo is actually being projected onto. There's just a couple of clouds lurking near it, as if it was smelly. It, it, its trousers fell down. <laughs> Anyway, there's also a complete story, Decap Attack, Nanny Knows Best. They've said that again, and because it's a Halloween comic, I, I cannot help but imagine, you know, I all get it! We think there may be some Ducky of that Boos. energy involved. We'll see yes. if we get an excuse to use that voice next time, <laughs> yes. Lady Boos. I hope so. <laughs> Chucky Boos. Chucky <laughs> Sonic, past imperfect. Oh, that's like a participle, isn't it? Ooh, they're at least, they're not just screaming the title of the strip at you, at least. Knuckles, prisoner of the herd. Oh, Sonic's world, Brutus's secret army. And yes! <laughs> and then there's also the ball hog badnik, Porky, Porky Pinup. STC 7120 on sale Saturday the 20th of January. 1996. Dave, I just hit my desk, so I'm going to say it again. It's 1996, Dave. Um, yes, I don't know how to feel about that because I'm still... 96 feels to me like a year in which I was getting older, you know what I mean? I, I agree completely, and you know, that experience is tied up in yes. my relationship to Sonic the Comic and how it would end this year, you know, this I don't feel it yet, because mm -hmm. it's the 1st of January, mm. which is, might as well be the 32nd of December, yes. it doesn't matter, but... um. Yeah, we're going to get there this year. It's going to be weird. And we're going to start seeing ads for things we didn't know or like. Oh, you're right. Because the thing is, I didn't do what you did. I didn't bow out gracefully. I clung on to childhood mm -hmm. and, uh, check the time, still am. Um, <laughs> but, um, so I stuck with it. And frankly, it's not until like 97, 98 that I start feeling properly grown up. So I'm all right for 96. I'm still a silly little boy in 1996. But... 
It's encroaching. I can feel... I don't... Uh, I'm getting my hairs. That's exactly what I was about to say. You're starting <laughs> to find hair in places where there was no hair before. <laughs> so that's it's it's coming for us, and we're going to have to address that head-on for a second time. Join us in our second puberty in 2022. I don't like that. <laughs> and if but if you do like the sound of it, <laughs> if that's what you're into. <laughs> You'll be able to find new episodes most places. <laughs> new po- good podcasts are available. You'll be finding episodes where you didn't find any before. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll always be able to find them on <laughs> stctp.wigglehe.com. That's right. Or you can follow it on Twitter, which is at Sonic Podcast. Or you can follow us separately. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFailey, and you'll find us on YouTube under those names as well. We told you about our Patreon already. That's patreon.com slash stctp. Go and sign up there if you want bonus videos where we look at the Martin Adams novels and at Dave's terrible fan fiction from when he was getting hairs. Yes. <laughs> and you yes. can kind of tell, too, honestly, <laughs> in the subject matter this thing has got to covering. And the money from that goes to pay our editor, Sam, whose work you can find at samgabrielvo.com. He reads fanfics for a living. That's what I do. That's what he does. He records fanfics for a living into audiobook form. Our theme song is called Synchronize, and it's by Sonic the Comic The Band, their real name. And you can find their work at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast, and we will see you next time. And then there's also a ball hog. A ball hog bad knock. One more time. And then there's also the ball hog bad knock. <laughs> Can't say it. And then there's also the ball hog bad nick porky pinup. I think you've taken a bad knock to the head. <laughs> <laughs>